Hello and welcome to Boston, the final threshold beyond which games must face their final and toughest opponent, the critical gaming public. My name's Ross and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Joey. No, I thought he was going to say it like a Pokemon. And today you just we're... told me not to. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about not a video game. We're actually going to be discussing a particular trend in the industry that I like to call release now and update later mentality that we see a lot throughout the entire industry. So I think it's an interesting topic to discuss what it means for the future of games and the root causes of it. And I think between those two things, it gives a good sort of state of the industry idea, a good starting place for where our mentality is when we talk about these games. I think there should be a market, and that's kind of how we like to look at games, is as finished works of art. Another system, another Skyrim, as they say. You don't get these paradigm shifters anymore, because when they look at the paradigm, they're like, well, how can we make 14 of these? It's fun for a little bit, and then you put it down, and then later you come back, and it's just as fun as it was. Yeah. Because it used, the space it takes up is exactly the space it needs to be what it wants to be. That's my favorite formula. Release now, do not update. <laughs> Never change. Yeah, I'm personally a little biased because I tend to play a lot of retro games, which they did not update those because that was not allowed yet. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, well, that's not exactly true because there was like, there were other versions of even like Nintendo. Yeah, there's N64. remakes and remasters and. No, no, I'm ports. saying even for N64 carts, sometimes they would release multiple versions of it if there was like something truly game breaking. Oh, really? In the original cart, yeah, it's like okay, there's a massive glitch that makes the the cart that we shipped like unplayable or it completely breaks the game or something. They would sometimes make another one that didn't have that glitch. I'm pretty sure my Donkey Kong 64 was just unplayable because the game was bad. Yeah, that's that is DK 64. <laughs> I think uh, this happened in Perfect Dark, if I recall. There's, Ooh, there's that's like, like my favorite. That's one of my favorite. Uh, yeah, games. but there's there's at least two versions of that game. Yeah, but I'm also I'm also a pre 64 fan. I like a lot of Super Nintendo stuff. That's true. They didn't they didn't even PlayStation One. They didn't even fucking playtest those games. They just put them out. Yeah, you know. So one thing I want to talk about, which is definitely not our main point of this, but I, it's something we talk about, a lot about offline that I think is interesting, is games as a work of art. Not all games are a work of art, you know, and that's not always their intention. You know, not just trying to say bad games aren't a work of art. Yeah, like Mario but, Party exists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there's cool stuff, there's polish in that game, but it's not, you know, it's not trying to make, like, Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, or F Fortnite. Yeah. Woo. But, you know, most art doesn't change over time. And the stuff that does pisses all of us off. The original trilogy of Star Wars. <laughs> so it's weird to go back to a game and it'd be different. Now, obviously, we've always had remasters. We've had, like, remakes and stuff. But sometimes stuff that worked on day one just doesn't work on day 18. And sometimes you like the stuff that works on day one. And there are ways to get the patch you want or whatever. But that's not really... that's. That's just not how I experience most art. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not like, ooh, which, what, what stage of the Van Gogh painting are we at? Exactly. But what's interesting about games is, like, they are a medium, you know, created from computer code, which is inherently mutable, right? They're the yeah. only art we have that's really mutable. Like, once you, even, even with movies and stuff, like, once you film a film, it's filmed, you know? You could film it again in a different way, but that's a different thing. You know, yeah. but in games, you can just go in, you can just change it. You can just be like, this asset's not there anymore. These glitches aren't there anymore. You know, this whole level is, is different, right? L look at like Dark Souls 2. They came out with a, they came out with a DLC that became a definitive edition for the entire game. 
Yeah. Right? Dark, the original Dark Souls 2, I don't even know how to play anymore. Like, I don't know where you even get that. It's only Scholar of the First Sin, which was just a DLC that released like a year after. So... I just picked up an original version of Dark Souls 2. <laughs> oh, that's where you get it. It's at Joey's house. Nowhere else. Yeah, never gonna play this version. It's called the Black Armor Edition. Yeah, it's probably not even the first one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I, I was gonna bring up a game too because I want to fit in. Um, so they didn't, you know, patch this game, but uh, they made a remake of Majora's Mask. Yeah. Uh, for the DS, and I think it like actually ruins the game. <laughs> like the things they changed to me changes the core experience. And yeah, I mean, I can go back and play the 64 Majora's Mask, you know, that stuff's out there. But as we get further and further um, down the timeline of games, this stuff is going to be less available to people. Right. Because all the games are going to be owned digitally. So you're just going to download that game and maybe they make changes for the worse. Maybe they make changes for the better. But you you never see what the day one vision was. And so it, it kind of makes discussing games hard sometimes. Like I've been listening yeah. to a lot of, you know, podcasts talking about, I'm playing, we've been doing the Dark Souls preparing for the future months. And sometimes people talk about day one Dark Souls 2 stuff, and it's just not the same experience I had. Yeah. And um, I, I, it's hard to tell. Like, did, it, did they have trouble with this, or did this used to be harder? Crap like that. Exactly. Know? And it's like the, you know, the Demon Souls remake is inc- an incredibly faithful PS5 remake of, was it a PS2? PS3 game? PS3 game. It was an incredibly faithful remake of a PS3 game that was janky and weird. And they exclude. They especially kept in the jank. They're like, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, Flame Lurker is a janky boss. We made him janky still because we wanted that exact feeling of the of the original game. But this was also an opportunity to like make the game better. Everybody's like, oh, are they going to finish? Are they going to make the the last Archstone, the broken Archstone? Are they going to make the the Realm of the Giants that we go do? And they're like, no, we're not doing that. That's not in the game. You know, that wasn't that wasn't Miyazaki's vision. And it's easy enough to talk about some games like um, like the Souls series or Metal Gear, where they have kind of a single directive, a single director making a particular vision of a game. Yeah, but it's much harder when you get to anything else, really. But like you know, you start talking about uh, massively multiplayer games and stuff like that. It's like what what does it mean to be an artistic vision of like Fortnite, a game that changes constantly? Yeah, you know, a game that's built on being something different every month. Yeah, or there's stuff like. Man, I had a really fun build I had in, like, League of Legends. Yeah. You know, I had a thing I liked doing, and all of those items just don't exist anymore. And that version of the game that you had fun with, you know, you might have fun in the new version, but you might not. Like, ex- entire experiences can be deleted. <laughs> yes. And, so- and and there's there's value to that sometimes. You know, sometimes you might like something that's broken, but also, sometimes it's fun to do broken shin video games. Exactly. Right? So- there, there's a game I've been playing called Unsighted, which is um, this sort of top-down uh, Metroidvania kind of a Souls-like. It has a lot of Souls mechanics, but it's not it's not thematically like a Souls game at all. That game is designed to be broken yeah. for, for speedrunning purposes. There's no proper way to, to go through the areas. And it even has mechanics like you can lift boxes and you can stack them. And you can just like make a staircase over a wall. You can just do that if you have the, the resources and the ingenuity. And the ingenuity. And it's designed for that, you know? But then you look at something like Hollow Knight that we've talked about before. You can break that game. And on some patches, you could break it more. Because on on one two two one, you could hit levers through doors. So you could open doors from the wrong way. But sometimes you open the door from the wrong way and the room that you're going into stays dark. Like, normally you go into a room and it lights up. Instead, that you enter the room wrong. It stays dark. Now you're doing a dark room. And you can't see what you're doing. Shit like that. You can soft lock yourself. You can... 
uh, you can spawn bosses from the wrong direction and they don't act right. But that game is like, we, we've talked about how open and interesting that game was, but even that game wasn't purely designed to, uh, to be come at from any direction. And so they patched that stuff out, but speedrunners still run on, on 1221, at least for, uh, some, some categories, like no yeah. major glitches and stuff, right? Uh, any percent NMG because it's faster, but there's always, there, there's always like, it's, it's interesting because it is more fun too to be able to do things in the wrong order to feel like you're circumventing the direction because there's this there's this um, clash between like the director's vision and the player's will. There's two things that that kind of makes me want to talk about. One, I actually really do see a lot of value in techniques for like thing people like speedrunners and stuff, even though that's not most of the player base. A, a decent amount of player base watches speedruns. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe that's still like a small enough number, but. A lot of times when I really like a game, I just go on, I'm like, well, let me see someone bullshit it. Like, yeah. what, what is the bullshit version of this game looks like? And I get that the developers can want to make an experience that is fair for everyone. But uh, one uh, one game I had Ross step into was a DS remake of Fire Emblem 2. And a, one of the big complaints the remake has is everything they fixed was the broken stuff. Yeah. And the broken stuff was actually the fun thing to do because the game was kind of inherently unfair in an uh, in, in a somewhat unfun way but it's fun to do builds or whatever you want to call it where you just do dumb bullshit yeah and like sometimes the dumb bullshit's fun like it's a game made for the nes and i get you don't want to make the game broken but like also that's not always a bad thing yeah um and sometimes that's fun like they the developers are trying to make a game that you can't trivialize and then you learn to trivialize it through the collective you know work of all of the players in the world and that's fine to me yeah. you know because the person playing fire emblem 15 the first time it's not gonna trivialize it right it's someone who's played it 85 times and maybe it's someone not actually 85 times but someone who's played it a lot and if you play something a lot and you learn to you know find techniques or you go online and find techniques that's fine to me yeah uh you know games are uh generally meant to be replayed right so like the more power you can give to the player, the more they're going to play that game. Like, the more time they're going to spend with it and the more energy they're going to dedicate towards it. And that's an important thing, right? Like, it's it. you're never going to be able to obviously please everybody, but it's important to know who your target audience is and how to engage with that audience. Yeah, and, and so, you know, this is a mostly, right now, talking about PvE, but even for PvP, I would say. So I play, a, not a lot, but I play some League of Legends. I've already referenced it once. So you could fi- you could figure that out, audience. But... The one thing they clearly do whenever new champions come out is they make them broken at first and then they patch them down later, right? And they kind of keep nerfing older characters and keep making sure the newer characters are more powerful. So you're playing with more new characters and you're incentivized to, you know, buy the more expensive characters or whatever. And, you know, that's, I, you know, in a way that's okay because you're, you know, hey, look, look at the new champions, see the new stuff we can do. But if you like a character from season one of League, it's just going to get worse every year. Yeah. You know, there, there, you know, there's several characters that I used to remember like, oh man, this person used to be good. And they're just, they're just terrible now. Yeah. And they're never going to be good again, probably. And, you know, again, it's a PVP game. You need to evolve that more to keep it fresh. But like, you're kind of killing champions, champions in a way for certain yeah. players. Well, any, and, any game I think that has that sort of iterative process mm-hmm. um, is going to suffer from, you know, power creep where things just kind of get more powerful yeah. all the time. We see in League of Legends, um, it was really the downfall of Overwatch. Uh, I know that's that's been happening for a long time, like Magic the Gathering, you know, the yeah. card game. That's just a problem. And, and, and Pyro Creep exists 
to sell stuff. Yeah. Right? As someone who's played a lot of Magic, that's the big reason they have Power Creepers. They're trying to sell packs. Yeah. So if you have this card you have to have, people will buy more packs. Uh, the one time, whenever they used to do uh, a consistent power decreep, those sets sold like shit. So they stopped doing it. Yeah. And so now we're just going up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And, you know, not every developer knows when they're making something broken or not. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to tune, um, everything before it comes out. Yeah. But at the same time, like this is, this is a problem that we also see across, um, entire series, you know, like if you look, if you look at the soul series, you know, something we've been playing a lot. Uh, some of the some of the easiest bosses in Dark Souls three are harder than some of the hardest bosses in like Demon Souls. Yeah, you know, like the final boss of Demon Souls, uh, King Alant, it's kind of a joke. They're like, if you, when you when you're a Souls veteran and you're like, oh, he's he's just like a duel. You just fight him. He's got a sword and you fight him. Holy shit, that fight is easy. And the consensus is the third hardest boss in Demon Souls. Exactly, because most of them are kind of garbage. But over time, power creep has occurred, and by by Dark Souls three. You've got your your <laughs> the third dual... hardest boss is Pontiff of Silver. <laughs> by by Dark Souls three, you've got your you've got your dual great swords, and you're doing you know spinning fanning attacks that that stun lock enemies, and it's like yeah, you didn't have that in Demon Souls, yeah, right? Because like, or, or, or more importantly, you didn't have to learn to to dodge correctly yeah. in Demon Souls quite as well as yeah. you had to learn in later games. So all this to say, you know, games are often an iterative process. Uh, they don't exist in one form. They don't exist mm-hmm. in a sing in a singular vision. So we kind of want to talk about like, in a way, what it means to to be like a definitive game, right? Because we can't say, okay, this is this is the game until you know maybe many years after it's it's done updating and things like that. But there, we can point out to multiple occasions where we're like, this is not a game, right? Yeah. One thing I want to talk about kind of a lot in this is the way marketing has affected this to a great degree. Yeah. So a, a game I love to use as an example, and I'm not trying to make a definitive statement on how you should feel about this game, but I'm going to lay out this, the, what I view the history of the release of this game. So there was a game that was could not have been more hyped. No Man's Sky. Like most of the games that have like tons of marketing traction, they kind of promise too much. Yeah. You know, they're like, okay, it's going to be the... You could, it will feel like a galaxy's at your fingertips and you can go into any planet. They're not going to be as empty as Fallout 76. No, you can go anywhere. <laughs> and everyone was hyped as fuck for that game. Then it came out and then there was a huge backlash and everyone was kind of upset. And then the people who were hyping the game who were on social media all the time just fell off the face of the earth and stopped talking about the game for a bit. Yeah. Right. I have not played No Man's Sky, but from listening to people who do play it and a bunch of different people I know and people I don't really know. The game is in a good place now. Eventually, we got to the point where that game was actually fun. And they released a game that maybe wasn't everything they promised, but is, you know, a good and exciting game, right? Now, I think No Man's Sky is different from another game we're going to talk about, Cyberpunk, because No Man's Sky isn't the world's biggest studio. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a level of, okay, we can't finish this game with the money that we have. Yeah. It's too ambitious. But if we get all these pre-orders, we can finish the game. But it required them to kind of lie to the customer. And eventually a good product came out. But also at least half the people are never going to experience that product who yeah. bought that game. Well, that, that is something I, I do want to talk about. Like, we're going to talk about Steam and early access in part of this. But No Man's Sky is a really good example of, of what we're talking about here. Because, yeah, it did release in what most people would call an unfinished state. 
or at least lack a severe lack of content that was um, yeah. somewhat promising. M- most you know? of, uh, small aside, most of the people who liked No Man's Sky at release were like, you know, it's like Pokemon Snap. You just like walk around and take good, cool pictures. Yeah. And like, you know, that can be fun if you like that, but that is not fun for everyone. Except, except Pokemon Snap has a great depth of content, you know? Yes, the mechanic is taking pictures, but there's a lot of ways to take pictures. Whereas there is only one way to explore the galaxy in No Man's Sky, and it sucks. No joke, I think the loudest I've ever yelled at a video game was Pokemon Snap, where my <laughs> friend accidentally deleted the best Mew I've ever seen. Oh my God. And I was on the phone, and I was like, you have to come over and see Pokemon Snap. And I dropped the phone, he just hears me screaming. And he's like, did someone die? What's going on? I'm like, he deleted a Mew! <laughs> your gunshots <laughs> yeah oh um, but no man's sky a lot of people defended the the original form of no man's sky being like oh it's it's a it's a treatise on like existential nihilism like you just go out to the universe and there's nothing there you know can you just... stop talking about dark souls because it just <laughs> makes me want to talk about it but the the point is like that's what everybody that's what the the defenders of that game wanted to say they're like oh i had you know this particular experience but it's like that wasn't the promised experience that arguably wasn't the intended experience they just made a way to procedurally generate planets on a huge scale and didn't really do anything else with that they gave you like some mining and some crafting abilities and that's it and that's like most of what you find on steam early access these days is like survival crafting games you know yeah no man's sky was just bigger because it was coming from uh not not a not a big name publisher but it was it was a well-hyped game you know and then over the years, they've made these huge updates, transforming it into a massively multiplayer online game. And from my understanding, fundamentally changing yeah, like, that, the, the gameplay loop. When they started No Man's Sky, they were explicit. They were like, we do not want this to be a, mul- a multiplayer experience, right? That wasn't their goal. Yeah. But the fans wanted it. The people that wanted to play No Man's Sky wanted it to be multiplayer. And so they added multiplayer, and then they expanded on multiplayer, and they added base building and they added uh the ability for everybody else to see your base and people are starting to build like cities and and uh entire like galaxies of people coming together in multiplayer to play no man's sky together you know to build things you can go online and and people have like hey if you go to this planet at at this coordinates you can find my farm you know that you can use and and shit like that this game is fundamentally different from its original vision but it is what the fans wanted and whether you think it's good or bad i played i poured hundreds of hours into this game and i stopped a while ago and did you enjoy any of those hours i did i I mean uh, look it's not the funnest game all right it's it's definitely a grindy game but sometimes you want to grind you know to be fair i just remember like once like every like four months you (laughs) feel like you're like oh man no man's sky sucks you're like no man's sky's bad but a little bit better like it just was yeah. slowly like just dumping a couple more hours to see if it was good yeah. in a slowly changing <laughs> yeah just a couple more hours oh but i would i would check out like the major updates and stuff and see what no man's sky was about and i kind of stopped doing that after a while but even after the hundreds of hours that i've played that game that game is almost unrecognizable to me now yeah you know with like the latest updates that game is, has changed so much over the years that it uh, even even me who has played it so much uh doesn't even know what's going on anymore you know and i i don't know i think i think that's interesting like what is it what does it mean to like what is no man's sky anymore when is that game done when do we have 
when, when can we talk about No Man's Sky as a singular uh, game? Yeah, as a product. Yeah. So me, again, commenting on Western games, I don't really play because I'm biased. Uh, that's what I've heard a lot about Destiny. Whereas even the people who really like Destiny 1 were like, yeah, but it was after like mini updates or, or whatever, yeah. we know whatever significant update made that game kind of playable. I'm willing to forgive smaller companies a lot more. Like I actually am, I use No Man's Sky personally to make the argument that this is what some companies should do. The, you know, I'm not quite sure if you, you describe them as indie. They're like the biggest indie you can get if they're indie, the people who made No Man's Sky. Yeah. Right. But they're not, they're not triple A. Right, they're not the names. They had they had a lot of um, what we call AAA talent, you know, like the the head of the studio. I think came uh, I, I forget what what company he came from, but he was like he was like a big name in like Square Enix or something. You know what I mean? And he he basically went out and founded Hello Games. So what I would say about the, the AAA though is talent isn't what defines it; money's what defines it. Yes, and it's expensive to make games. And it's in in one thing you mentioned a lot is you know really where this budget is going to is towards marketing. Yeah, if you look at any any major uh, AAA products uh, budget, it's like seventy five percent marketing. You know, they're like, oh, how much do you spend on this game? One hundred and eighty million dollars. How much do you spend on marketing? One hundred and sixty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's sort of absurd. And I've been I've been talking about this a lot on Twitter and stuff. But at Boss Door Four, at Boss Door Four, audience, AAA is is also more than just uh, a budget, right? Like when you talk about a AAA product. Yes, you're talking about like a nine-figure budget, you know, almost almost minimum. But it's 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 a little bit more than that. Like AAA is just kind of a club of these old studios that have been around for a long time. It's extremely hard for any new studio, no matter how big their budget is. Like Devolver Digital just recently went public, and it was valued at like a billion dollars, right? Bigger than most AAA studios. Yeah. Okay. Bigger than fucking Ubisoft. Right by a lot, by a lot, Ubisoft is a is a few hundred million at best. Um, but isn't Devolver Digital just like all the indie games? Yes, Devolver Devolver just publishes major major yeah, indie the, hits. It, it really feels like it's the it's the masses grouping against the one percent. You <laughs> yeah. know, like we can beat you if we completely band together. <laughs> yeah, this is a PSA. No, no giant companies your friend, including Devolver. Um, but Devolver. Oh, Devolver cannot, from software's not your friend, but Devolver cannot be considered a AAA company, right? It won't be because it doesn't put out what we would consider AAA products, right? And AAA products have been reduced really to like serialized annual huge games, right? Games that just have the biggest fucking budget and, you know, prioritize only graphics and shit like that or, are you know, are... Uh, MMOs or something like that. You know, your Assassin's Creed's and shit like that. That's that's just a game way too big, designed just to sink a few hours into, and then, you know, wait till next year to buy another one. That's what we consider AAA. Huge budgets from particular companies that yeah. most people can't break I, into. I, I literally should have waited, but I said, this, I said this right before we got on. It's the EA model. It's it make every game like FIFA, right? Like, in my opinion, Assassin's Creed is like, we just put different skins on all these games, you yeah. know? Um, Bethesda. Right? <laughs> right? It's like, okay, we have the same core engine, and then we have two aesthetics. You know, uh, Fallout and, you know, ju just fantasy. <laughs> no twist. <laughs> oh, where was I going? Um, Derailed. Uh, I'm sorry, well, my I, friend. I, I didn't really... <laughs> 
I like how they're they're abusive. Miyazaki tucks me in every day. He does. <laughs> he needs to go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not doing the blood war. Yeah, we got to address it. <laughs> um, one of the reasons I wanted to find the AAA and kind of focus on the differences between it and India and the whole marketing thing is this is one of the causes of the problems that are with the update or release now, update later. Yeah. A really good example is Cyberpunk, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So Cyberpunk was one of the most successful games and what games are trying to do. Make you pre-order it. <laughs> and that's really the goal of these games, is to get you to pre-order it. It doesn't matter how good the game is, you spent the money and you're not getting that back, except for this time, people actually did, which was shocking with yeah. Cyberpunk. But that game was just not done. It was not done at all. I mean, what? it's very obviously not done. And it didn't work on a bunch of people's systems. People couldn't play it on the PS4. People were having trouble on the PS fucking 5 with it. People were having trouble on their PCs. They're, yeah, nice PCs. Because the issues weren't, like, to to be clear, the issues weren't a matter of, this is infinite. of computing power. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, you need the you need the biggest, uh, bestest computer, right? No, the game just didn't work. They yeah, released it, it in essentially like an alpha state. It was just broken. There was assets missing. You could walk around. You could literally walk around and see... Um, like, uh, placeholder assets. That's like, that's like put asset here. Like a sign that just says, you know, put an asset yeah. here. Right? Because they didn't finish the game. Yeah, I watched uh, my friend Justin play it on a really nice computer. And there was like an opening cutscene and like someone was dying, but he could only hear it and not see it. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it was just hysterical. Here, here's the thing. I owned, uh, let's see, at least two different versions of that game. At launch, okay? I originally bought it on the PS4, and I couldn't get past the first uh, scene, you know? Like, I played I played about five minutes, and then my game glitched irrevocably, and I restarted several times and wasn't able to fix it. And then my friend, who really wanted to play, uh, bought it for me on Steam and, like, gifted it to me. And then I tried to play it on Steam, and it still didn't fucking work. So now I've just got... I refunded it on PS4. Uh, a legendary move, because... You can't refund shit on PlayStation. They're literally like, if, you, if you've if you downloaded it, it's yours. You don't get to do it anymore. But they made a, an exception for Cyberpunk because it was so fucking bad. I refunded it on PS4, but I've still got that copy on Steam that I've just never touched again. And I've seen, I've seen people like speedrun that game and it's, it's still a fucking mess. And they're talking about like releasing DLC and stuff, you know? And I'm like, this, how? How do, how did we, it, it really, it's what started this whole idea for this podcast. Like, how the fuck did we get here? Yeah, it was preposterous. And like, so there's a couple of things about it. One, the, with the market, not just the fact that the marketing was overblown. And I've become such a skeptic where I just don't trust. Any, yeah. If something is like, oh, it's going to be great. And I, I'm not just trying to be like, I don't, I don't like what's popular. It's just to be obvious, whenever a game's overhyped, it's always a disappointment. Yeah. You know, this, No Man's Sky, Fault 76, all this kind of stuff. Spore, you go that far back. <laughs> you know, they're always like, oh, your choices matter. We did this, we did this. And it's like, mm, I don't believe you. Yeah. I'll, I'll wait till I see it. And a lot of people trusted Cyberpunk because they made Witcher 3. <laughs> and everyone loves Witcher 3. I've not played it, but I'm sure it's a great game and probably an okay Netflix show. But like we said earlier, these developers are not your friend. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're just going to try to make as much money as they possibly can. And the best way to do that is to trick all of you into pre-ordering it. Which leads to another problem, which everyone talks about in the gaming industry, crunch time. 
So much of this game was not just what they promised you, but when they promised you. And they kept delaying it, and the people were getting mad. And so they're like, we can't keep delaying it, so we'll just release garbage. Yeah. You know, unfunctional garbage. And now you overworked a bunch of people for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> right? They worked really hard on something that's not their fault that it's broken. <laughs> yeah, it's not like the developers did that, you know? It's the yeah. marketing team. It's the executives that, that make the decisions about release dates. And they... They're like, okay, it's going to release on this day. I hope it's done. And it just, it wasn't. It was it was unfeasible for it to be done. Uh, but they didn't care. Yeah. You know, they, they were just like, we're not going to delay it again. Because they're the kind of people that think, I guess, that like, if you just say something hard enough, if you just say it like with enough authority, it just, it'll be true. Yeah. You know, that's not how it's, game it's, it's, works. it's movie shit. It's like, uh, um, I'm a hacker. It's like, that'll take four hours. Like, you have 30 minutes. Yeah. And you're like, I guess that works now. Fuck, I can do it in 30 minutes, I guess. I don't know why I said yeah. it before. Like, if, if I, if I was a person who owned a hacker, sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bad wording. Like, they're animals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, they're like, I, I need four hours. And I said, doing 30 minutes. And they did it. I fired them. <laughs> you yeah. Fucking lied to me. Were you taking a three and a half hour break? <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck off. I, w- I went to lunch at the the Red Lobster and they were really busy. They do not have good Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> I was working on my laptop. and I, I left my mouse at home and it's like a, it's a long drive. <laughs> It's like, we're breaking into the Pentagon. Um, uh, Crunch time. (laughs) So, uh, and that's how a lot of these games work, though, is they're trying to get a hook. Like, this is the biggest world we've ever done. This is the most choices you can do. This is the highest graphics you can ever do. To to, to get people hooked into the game. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily make the game better. In all of those games, in my opinion, that promise these sorts of things... Their day one state is garbage. Yeah, it's always abysmal, right? Like, we, we, we see this all the time in in the AAA space, you know? And it's not true of, like, all games. Like, I'm sure, you know, most Assassin's Creed's and shit that just reuse all their assets and barely build a new yeah. game. You know, like... like <laughs> That's every, a different problem. Yeah. That's a different sort of problem. Like, like, every Far Cry game releases essentially finished... But that's because they didn't make anything new, you know? Yeah. They're not they're not out there crafting new assets. They're just like reusing the shit that they had and tweaking gameplay and stuff. Yeah. Um they're reselling the same game. And speaking of, I'm gonna talk about Skyrim. Because Skyrim, I think, is it's really the starting point of what I what I would call like the downfall of the AAA industry. Right? Because Skyrim was a game that was sold exclusively on the promise, not exclusively. It was it was a it was an Elder Scrolls game and and Morrowind and Oblivion were somewhat beloved games, right? Even even um Fallout 3 at the time, even though it's kind of a bad game, a lot of you know most people kind of loved it. So Skyrim had a lot of hype from its predecessors, but at the same time, one of the biggest promises Skyrim made was like, okay, we've got good graphics. I mean, they're not, but they were good for the time. And we have the biggest fucking world you've ever seen. It's just, it's so fucking big. It's ten times bigger than Morrowind. Yeah, you'd see you know? stuff online where it's like, uh, it would take, you know, a hundred days to walk across the sky. I mean, that's yeah. probably too much. But, you know, those sorts of Yeah, points. it was all kinds of shit like that. They would they would compare to other games' maps. Which, like, how do you do that one, you know? Yeah, yeah. But they, they, would, take, they would take maps from other games and they're like, and then they like, superimpose it over a Skyrim map. And they're just like, look how fucking big Skyrim is. And you're like... Yeah, cool. What are we going to do with that space? Fill it with caves. 
Is there anything in those caves? No. Okay. Okay. Is this is this game going to be good? No. No. Right? Combat's not fun. Yeah, it's a bad combat engine. It doesn't look good because, like, the game's so big they couldn't actually make it look very good. Like, the graphics were okay, yeah. but... It's mostly, you know, it's mostly snow for yeah, like, what, what would you rather have? A steady stream of new content or, you know, really good content for less for less amount of time? Exactly, exactly. And Skyrim, like, uh, it's just, it's a game that I I understand why people like it because it's a real fuck around game. It's yeah. Just, it's just like you can do whatever you want, but you can do whatever you want because that game is broken. Like, fundamentally, yeah. down to its core, every bit of Skyrim is, like, not thought out, not well made, just broken. Even the enchanting system takes about two minutes to break and make a... You can, like, infinitely loop your enchantments with your alchemy. Like, you can can drink a potion that makes your enchantments better and then use your enchantments to make a potion that that makes your enchantments better and they loop onto themselves, so you just... uh, Pretty soon you drink a potion and it's like, cool, your next enchantment is, like, a hundred billion times better. You're like, okay, I'm an invincible monster now. That took all of 10 minutes, you know? This also relates to something I want to talk a lot about, which is I think these games work for a lot of people because they're like a college kid who buys one game a year. And you can play Skyrim in, in, like, you can get more hours out of Skyrim than you can get out of Metal Gear Solid 1. Yeah. But you get more quality hours out of Metal Gear Solid 1. And it's how you define define your time. Like, maybe, maybe it's just nice to, like, play a game with your friends, have your headphones on, and just kind of, you know, dermal. Right? Just do, just... Fuck around. Do that all the time. I would argue that there's better games to do that in. But also, I think there should be a market, and that's kind of how we like to look at games, is as finished works of art. As as something that is intellectually stimulating, you know, philosophically, gameplay-wise, and all that kind of stuff. The most interesting thing about Skyrim to me is it achieved the ultimate goal of these AAA industries, which is I want to make one thing that I can keep using the same assets of, and keep making a steady stream of profit. Yeah. Like we said with Far Cry and Assassin's Creed. Except for Skyrim didn't even make new games. They just released Skyrim over and over yeah. again. And that worked. They could release this game on every system every year. And they haven't made a new Elder Scrolls since then. No, and they, That's insane. And they're still releasing it. And here's the thing. Fallout 4. When I played Fallout 4. I was like. This is a reskinned Skyrim. Like everything about it was just Skyrim. Right? And it's because it's the same same assets, you know? Like, it literally is a reskin Skyrim. And then Fallout 76, the other utterly unfinished product that was released uh, in the last few years, that just used Fallout 4 assets. Like, they haven't updated their engine, they haven't updated their asset library since probably, like, fucking Oblivion, you know? Like, yeah. like I mean, s- no joke, this is pro- Bethesda's probably one of the richest companies in the world. And the only things, or, you know, Video game companies. Yeah. Um, I think Exxon got them. <laughs> um, Fall, uh, Skyrim came out in Obama's first term. Yeah. That's preposterous. Skyrim is 2011. You know, we've been, play- yeah. we've been playing it for... Uh, it's 11, gonna be 11 oh, years. 11 years. Yeah, 2022 is like a week away. I'm sure we'll get another one. Uh, another another system, another Skyrim, as they say. Yeah, and the only but- game they've released since then, other than, I guess, Fallout 4, is fucking Fallout 76. Yeah. But okay, so I want to I want to just clarify why I'm talking about Skyrim because I know this uh, probably sounds a little rambly. the The reason I, I mentioned Skyrim, the reason I talk about it, and honestly, like in when I talk to my friends, if anybody asks me what's my what's my least favorite game of all time, what I think the worst game of all time is, I always say Skyrim. Detroit Become Human. 
Okay. Actually, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe games we've covered recently, but it, like the truth is to me, it's Skyrim. Because Skyrim is the epitome of everything that's wrong with uh, AAA gaming in general. And AAA gaming, whether we like it or not, tends to set standards for the gaming industry as a whole. You know, what works in AAA, we often see filtering down into... I don't want to say down, but we, also, we often see filtering into the indie space. And oftentimes what we see working well in the indie space does not get translated into the triple a space you know yeah 100 percent. Oh. like we talk about metroidvanias a lot being super popular they're only popular in the indie space yeah there's not a modern metroidvania that isn't well, well or that isn't <laughs> metroid you know like yeah they, they, just, they brought up metroid dread recently and it's the first time we've actually seen a fucking metroid yeah, i saw a bunch of people online being like man this was like one of the best metroidvanias <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah I hope so. <laughs> Fucking better. <laughs> yeah. I really do want to play Metroid Dread. I haven't played it yet, but uh, I've, I've only heard great things about it, which, I mean, of course I have, right? Yeah. But, yeah. 2D but it, does, it does look like legitimately good. Yeah. Beyond. beyond I, I think every 2D Metroid, other than the first one, but even the remake of one, it's great. Yeah. Um, but also Nintendo tends to put out, like, finished products. It's a thing that's, that is, yeah. puts Nintendo, like, above and beyond most other companies in the, in the AAA space, and that... Their games don't really release broken. Yes. I, I say that with a full caveat for, like, Breath of the Wild, but... Yeah. They they come out uh, almost universally polished and finished, uh, but the drawback is they never lower in price. <laughs> yeah. A Switch, uh, uh, Breath of the Wild still will cost you 60 bucks, I think. Yeah, probably. But the reason I come back to Skyrim is because of a lot of things that have been happening recently. You've probably seen a lot of companies going in for, like, NFTs recently, um, I know Ubisoft, I know uh, like Square Enix, EA, all, all, all those big name companies that are really known for making games that just try to sell you shit in their microtransaction stores are going in for, for NFTs. And a lot of them have walked that back, but of course Ubisoft is like, no, we're going to keep going with it. Like they put out a thing recently, like we've heard, we've heard your outrage and we're just going to keep doing it because we think we'll make money off of it. And everyone's like, yeah, that... So it sounds like Ubisoft. Yeah, they basically were like, despite all of your rage, yeah, you're all just rats <laughs> in our cage. <laughs> um, and it's it's weird because Ubisoft is one of the smallest AAA game AAA uh, developers out there, so they're the ones like with the most to lose when it comes to stuff like NFTs. Whereas like EA just has FIFA; they make enough money, but they're also not the biggest uh, the biggest company out there. I'm trying to remember who the biggest company out there is. It might be like Tencent or something, but... I don't know who that is. What's that? Uh, Tencent is a Chinese um, ah, that company that owns everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like, they're like Disney if you didn't know Disney existed. Like a, <laughs> like a shadow Disney. And someone's like... you. Somebody mentions Tencent, and you're like... You, you get that reaction. Like, like, oh, what's Tencent? And then you can just start like listing companies they own and stock they have in, in like every pie you know what i mean yeah. like everything is a little bit owned by tencent and it's kind of scary how much they own and how little anybody knows about them but uh, the point is like all, all these all these game companies are trying to get an nfts because microtransactions became the biggest money makers right and in the AAA space money is the only thing that talks it's the only thing people care about when they talk about making a new game the first thing they'll do is draw up a budget and then decide what that game is and that's and that's exactly why marketing is so overvalued yeah because pre-orders are what pushes these numbers and pre-orders happen because of marketing yeah 
you know, to go real quick back to the cyberpunk, you know, one thing that they did is they would never give footage to the reviewers that was from the actual game. It only used a specific sort of footage that made it look better than yeah. it did. I forgot. I forgot they, the well, they, they shipped, um, they shipped copies of the game. They wouldn't let people play it like before it was released, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, the, I think the few companies that did get to play it, they shipped, uh, they shipped copies of the game that weren't the the actual product. Yeah, you know. So they gave them they gave them like a functional taste of the game, or they just didn't let them talk about it at all. So they just built up their own hype, as many companies do now. Yeah. You know, they put like embargoes. a very deliberate and actively deceiving method. <laughs> yes, they'll they'll put out embargoes on talking about the game. They Bethesda did this for Fallout seventy six as well. People were not allowed to uh, play or talk about Fallout seventy six until it released, and then when it released the fucking floodgates of shit opened. Yeah. You know? And, and, and the thing is, the, you know, to relate it back to, like, the core point of uh, the the updating is uh, that's the issue. Is they, they, need to, they need to promise you some hypothetical idea. Yeah. And so many people on so many, like, you know, whatever, Reddit threads or Twitter or whatever you look at, will say, well, it will, like, they're going to make it get there. It's going to be there at some point. Yeah. And so when that happens... All of our patients will be worth it. And they just get a free pass, yeah, right? I, Some of that is, you know, sunk cost fallacy. I spent my money. Yeah. I gotta believe this will be a good game at some point. But, you know, uh, a, a, another game that I think is somewhat interesting is uh, Final Fantasy XV. So oh, that I thought you were going to say Star Citizen. Yeah, I was going to say Star Citizen soon, but I was thinking about uh, uh, fifteen in relation to this. Fifteen had a bunch of different... Like, they basically scrapped the game halfway through and restarted. Yeah. That happens a lot. But... You live in this marketing world, these games need to come out in a timely fashion. Final Fantasy XV did not come out in a timely fashion, to be fair. But it, you know, they released it before it was done. And it was not functional without a day one patch. Right. It had a day one patch, so you could play the game. But, not everyone. Right? Like, not everyone has internet. You know? Like, that's, and you know, I mean, we're getting closer and closer to, you know, a lot of people having internet. But not everyone has the, the internet to do these patches. Yeah. And I don't super like that uh, buying games off the shelf doesn't work a lot of the time anymore. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, like, even when you buy a game, it you put that disc in, and it still might be hours before you can play. You know? Because it, it has to, like, it's not just, like, a read-write thing. It's not just putting data on there. It's like, okay, it, it took, you know, maybe 30 minutes to, to read-write. Uh, but then, you know, it might, be, it might be a 100 gig patch from day one. Right? Yeah. Which we see... In a lot of AAA products. Yeah. So to contrast is one of my other favorite games of all time, uh, Dragon Quest XI. Dragon Quest XI didn't have a patch for over a year. Yeah. They released a finished product. Now, albeit, Dragon Quest X was an MMO, so I'm not going to count that one. Nine came... The, the space between 9 and 11 is huge. Yeah. Right? But I literally bought a PS4 because of it. I got back into games because they announced Dragon Quest XI was coming out. And it was for the PS4. And I bought a PS4 because it was coming out in a couple of months. And then I played nothing else for three straight weeks. And it's, it's one of my all-time favorite games. And it just felt, it was just day one finished product. You know, I walked in, I played the game. I had just a wonderful time. And I'm going to go back and replay it at some point. Yeah. They did eventually release a Switch version that had more content, which is kind of like a $60 DLC, which you can, you know, <laughs> take or leave. <laughs> but it gets the game to a whole new audience, uh, the Switch. And I think Dragon Quest was so good. I will buy, I will spend an extra $60 on it. Yeah. I but, enjoyed giving them that money because it didn't feel like they were lying to me. Yeah. But then there's like Persona 5 Royal. Yeah. That's exactly what which, I was thinking about. Which is just like, 
they re-released the game with a bit more content. Um, yeah. And it's not, like, fundamentally different. It's just, there's there's a bunch of extra stuff that kind of makes the game, like, way easier. It, which is preposterous, because the problem with Persona 5, one of the biggest problems with Persona <laughs> 5, which I do, like, I do like a lot of Persona 5, we'll talk about that at some point, is it's too fucking long. Yeah. So they're like, we added three extra months, and you're like, I really didn't like that. Yeah. Like, I would honestly spend 60 bucks to buy a thing that took out two dungeons. <laughs> I would be so happy to be like, yeah, let's just not do these dungeons. They suck. Yeah. But the concept of DLC actually goes back quite a ways. It didn't, you know, it didn't always exist, obviously. Right? DLC came in with the digital age of games, which is what we're living in now. And one of the first most infamous DLCs, uh, not really, like, I don't want to. I don't want to. It's not the first DLC. It's not. It's nothing like that, because uh, that that dates way back. But you know, you could buy like map packs for Halo or Halo yeah. Two. You know, shit like that. But one of the one of the most infamous DLCs that I think really created the state of the industry that we have now was Horse Armor in Oblivion. You know, the predecessor to Skyrim. Horse Armor was a two dollar pack, like cosmetic pack that you could buy, and it put armor on your horse. Didn't it wasn't functional. It was purely cosmetic, just made your horse look different. But you could buy it for two dollars. This was we already had like DLC content, you know, like I mean Oblivion had DLC packs and stuff, but this was the first idea of like a small DLC, a microtransaction. It was never heard of those. Yeah, I don't want to say it's the first. Again, like people are gonna be like, Oh, you said that the wrong you said the wrong thing. It's not the first. It's the biggest. It's the most influential. It was the moment that the industry took notice. Everyone was like Wait, you can sell horse armor for $2? You didn't just have to put the... You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to make the game and then and then add a little bit, of, a tiny little bit of content that people could, could buy. And they, so we got fucking microtransactions. An entire... The entire industry has changed since then, you know? Now we've got... You, you've got your FIFAs and your, and your fucking Fortnites and shit that are just primarily a store. You know, and everybody's like, oh, how do we, how do we sell microtransactions, um, continuously? How do we, like, make people want to continue buying them? What if we, what if we turn them into, like, a gambling thing? You, you can get the one you want, right? So, like, let's, like, let's make loot boxes and shit like that. And then, at some point, they gave up the facade, and they're like, ah, just, just put gambling in the game, right? Just literally put a fucking slot machine that tells you if you get the thing you want, and make people spend thousands of dollars on their it's goddamn fucking soccer team. FIFA's the worst game. I okay. I said Skyrim's the worst game. FIFA's the worst game ever made. Which FIFA though? Doesn't matter. The series. The series is exclusively bad in a way that's like horrific and detrimental to the people that play it. Um, but that all started with you know Skyrim, Oblivion. It all started with with Bethesda's bullshit because Bethesda got a taste of success and then thought. Hmm, yeah, we're we're done making games we care about. Let's just make bullshit. Let's just make let's just make the most saccharine experience we can think of and sell it on Moss. And so what's crazy is because of things like loot boxes, the most profitable games right now are free to play games. Yeah. Because the loot boxes make them their money. Yeah. You wanna know what what the most uh, profitable game in existence is right now? Oh, Fortnite? fucking clash of clans uh, i should have guessed that yeah they can afford kate upton yeah, of course like you you it, the <laughs> second someone says it you're like oh yeah right that game's free yeah yeah i, I always use this as my the nintendo argument 
which just sucks because it's my favorite Nintendo game. Uh, the th- and it's not a good example of it. Uh, the game that makes Nintendo the most money is Fire Emblem Heroes, a gotcha game. Yeah. If you don't know what a gotcha game is, it's a game where like, you can get little characters if you roll them. They're usually like sexy JPEGs of anime women. Yeah. Uh, you Bu- get buying JPEGs. Yeah, you can you can do it for free. Or you can spend thousands of dollars a month. Yeah, but then you and own you get, the, get those you, pictures. But then you own the JPEGs, right? That's right back to NFTs. They're Jesus. yours forever. Nobody else can touch them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We're talking about NFTs. Um, the and yeah. there's no gameplay to those games. Yeah, like like the ideas. You're just like, what do you like about Fire Emblem? <laughs> we mostly took that out. Yeah, uh, d- 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 grind up your stats or buy this pre-grinded stat. Then exactly. <laughs> and like j- just the word just the word gotcha. It's not um, it's not like an English like gotcha. You know. It refers to the Japanese word gashapon, which is just like a... It's kind of like a gumball machine. You yeah. Just, you put your money in and it dispenses a toy at random. And you get what you, you get. What you get. But right? also, what a happy coincidence. <laughs> it's the idea... Yeah, exactly. Because... Uh, apropos. Because you, you start spending money on those games and like, gotcha! But yeah, the idea is like, okay, it's randomized rewards, right? So they can keep selling you the same or the same reward as long as they don't give it to you, and you get you get ideas like like item tiers and and stuff like that, right? Something we've seen in the MMOs for years because the grind, right? But instead, yeah. what they've done is taken the grind and monetized it. You know, now you pay to grind instead. Yeah. Instead, of, you don't just pay with your time; you pay with your actual dollars. And since that has been. Um, far and away the most successful business model video games have ever seen as an industry. Now we've got people looking at NFTs. We've got all these all these companies being like, well, what if we could sell you more things? What if we what if we could create a series of randomized images ad nauseum that you'll buy for like crazy money? You know? And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds really bad. Does that even add to the game in any way? Like can you imagine any way that that could add to the value of the game? Um, the actual gameplay and they're like no it'll add to the value of our bank account that's the point um and that is that that is a direct line from fucking horse armor in oblivion to nfts today and it's a problem it ha it creates an industry that doesn't give a fuck about the players or the product anymore as long as you'll buy it and so you get these you get these huge marketing campaigns that are they're like cyberpunk's gonna be the biggest thing you've ever seen it's gonna be the coolest shit every person on this screen of a hundred people lives their actual life and you can follow them around and they go home and they have sex with their fucking wife and you can you can watch it's gonna be so cool and then you get in there and it's you see you know your game is your game is fucking broken you can't do the first mission uh when you you're in a car chase and there's just like guns floating behind you chasing you because the <laughs> car didn't load in, that's an actual thing that happens, you know. Honestly, when Cyberpunk first came out, just going on Twitter looking up glitches, I was like, "This is the best possible thing that could happen to me." Yeah, Cyberpunk is garbage, and I can I can feel vindicated in my lack of pre-order. <laughs> Let us go, and, and then just watch hilarious glitches. And I'm not one of those people that buys into the to the hype, you know. I'm not. I was never like, "Oh, Cyberpunk's gonna be the coolest shit ever," but I was like. This game looks fun, you know. Yeah. Like, sure, I'll I'll play like a cyberpunk GTA. That sounds oh, whatever. That sounds great, you know. I'll play that game if it works, and it didn't, you know. Yeah. Um, Fallout seventy six. I wasn't in the slightest bit excited for because uh, I've kind of hated Bethesda since Skyrim, you know. Yes. And like 
Fallout 4 was a massive disappointment. Yeah, that's my favorite formula. Release now, do not update. <laughs> <laughs> Never change. Yeah, so well, I, I gotta say my favorite Fallout 76 story. Never played it, but I have a friend who's a huge Fallout, like, and it's exactly his aesthetic. Yeah. You know, just when several, and it's, you know, he's an MMO guy, big, big, like, Daisy, you, any of those games where it's like, I'm just gonna walk around and, like, literally no one's around, I can just walk around in silence. Uh, you know, there's a market for that. So he, he really, really, really wanted like 76. And then, but he had a glitch where there was no sound in his game. And <laughs> so what he had to do is he's like, well, you know, like deaf people exist. So I can role play as a deaf person. <laughs> and he had to like play the game for a while, just pretending his character couldn't hear to try to have some sort of immersion. <laughs> and like, you could not get a more forgiving customer. <laughs> And still didn't, you know, put a lot of hours into, into 76. And, like, that's preposterous. Like, yeah. literally just the premise of your game works for this person. And it still didn't work. Yeah. Like, you didn't make it functional enough. Yeah, you didn't make a fucking game. But you know what did work in Fallout 76 from day one? The store. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You could always buy Adams. Yeah. That was not a but, problem. But th- this is kind of like an overarching theory of, of, of games and media and all this sort of stuff, you know? I, 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 I kind of think of it as the Disney effect, right? Yeah. Is once these things turn from art into products, we're making assembly lines that can make these things. We're not really trying to make something that has kind of longevity and, and long-lasting. Yeah. We're trying to get those day one impacts. In Disney, they get all of you. To go see almost every one of the Marvel movies exactly once. Yeah. You go in the theaters, you watch it, you're like, I have a good time, rewatch it, you're like, well, those jokes I already heard, and it's kind of bad now. Yeah. They get you to pre-order these games. You go in, you you know, you, you do the pre-order, half the time, you don't even get a working game. So what I'm saying is not necessarily novel, it's like, you know, money's bad, guys. <laughs> but, since we're making an assembly line that can make these works of entertainment, we're kind of curating an experience that we know is going to appeal to the most amount of people. But what you're not getting is you're getting something that has a profound impact on some people. Yeah. And to me, that's what art's about, right? There's, there are people who are going to go see a Scorsese film and it's going to get into their brain and they're going to think about it and they're going to look at films, the world, or some macro concept differently. You know, we can play games like, like souls and metal gear games and really have deep, like deep intellectual conversations about like the implications, what we think about uh, the philosophy, what we think about the game design, right? It's really, really hard not to talk about things like Skyrim and Assassin's Creed, and, like Destiny and crap, as not just products of an industry. Yeah. Right? And, you know, that's a kind of interesting, but it's also what everything in our goddamn universe is governed by. <laughs> exactly. And when you're locked into this world of we can we have to release the games on time, we have to crunch through it, we just gotta get everyone to pre-order it, and then maybe eventually make a good game, you're not crafting something. Exactly. And the AAA industry, to me, it doesn't it almost it almost never truly creates anything artistic. It just creates, you know, a, an assembly line that churns out, you know, games. Uh entertainment products at best, failures at worst, right? And it gets in my fucking brain when I think about it. Because, we, you know, you just talked about somebody uh, role-playing as a, as a deaf character in Fallout 76. There was a game released recently that in the indie sphere uh, that was designed to be played by deaf people. It was a game designed for deaf people. 
And that's yeah, and that must be super fucking exciting. Yeah, for I, 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 a demographic. I want to fucking play it. I want to play a game not designed for me. You know, designed for for people with with uh, disabilities and stuff. I like. I want to see what games can be. Right, and that's not saying every game has to be like a work of art. It doesn't have every game doesn't have to make you um, have you know high philosophical yeah. thoughts and shit. Right, but when I when I see these uh, these indie devs cranking out like interesting products on literally their like sometimes in their spare fucking time yeah you know like single people out there working day jobs and at night building a game i think what would this vision be with 180 million dollars what could what could be made with teams of hundreds of artists and and coders that instead of trying to create something valuable they create something that's monetarily useful right yeah. like when we when we talk about triple a games that are meaningful we talk about stuff that's like last of us you know games yeah, I games think, that i was are, literally thinking about that while we were talking yeah, games that like have a meaning that have something to say that make you think about stuff and like even last of us 2 which we're definitely going to talk about at some point in the future because it's a brain bug that i can't get rid of i call but, them brain worms yeah it is a worm um but even last of us 2 whether you like it or not it is a game that makes you fucking think about stuff, right? And that wouldn't exist if Naughty Dog didn't take didn't take the chance a long time ago to make Last of Us One, right? But even Last of Us Two was like plagued by you know a controversy of of extreme crunch, um, yeah, in, in its in its creation, and like that taints that taints the game when the indie sphere can put out incredible products that that challenge what games are, what games can be, when you get your your infinite fucking Assassin's Creed. You just can't care anymore. Their yeah. game, like AAA, creates games you can't care about because they don't want you to care. They don't want you to ever think about their games. They want you to play them ad nauseum and spend as much money as possible. That's the goal. Yeah. So the one thing I've always been think I've been thinking about a lot is I've absorbed a lot of Dark Souls commentary recently. And one thing I always think is so interesting is you could just critique that game differently than other games because you expect better from it, right? I mean, uh, Souls are all great. It's, my thesis statement is I love Souls. But a lot of times people will bring up a point and go like, yeah, I didn't like this in this game. It felt too video gamey. And that's just so interesting that you're allowed to say <laughs> that with Souls. Yeah. You're just like, oh, it's, it's too formulaic. And it shouldn't be because it's Dark Souls. Yeah. It's a game I think doesn't do it that rises above that. And that's not always bad. You know, sometimes it's fun to have just, you know, you know, like a Zelda game that has simple systems that, you know, are very linear progression trees. But I feel like people aren't critical of the same sort of things in games like Skyrim. Like, I, I, maybe I am underestimating people, but I can't imagine ever liking that combat system. Yeah. And I never hear people complain about how bad combat is in Skyrim <laughs> or, or all the Fallout games. It's just not engaging combat, you know? It's uh, it's not just not engaging, it's it's barely functional. Yeah. It's like, it's not fun to use. Yeah, like, most of it is like, I'm doing this thing, and it's like, ooh, what's that like? And it's like, same as everything else, but, you know, it's my fist this time. Yeah. Right? Whereas, you know, use a different weapon in Dark Souls, it's completely different. Uh, it has, you know, unique properties, and it makes you, you know, engage with the actual systems. And I just feel like there's less of an expectation on the quality of content in some of these, uh, some of these AAA experiences, yeah. you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with like misplaced 
belief in these in these companies, right? Because they have the money to fix it. They have the money and the resources to make these games good, theoretically. Yeah. Right? And so people are like, people are like, yeah, maybe it's not good at, at launch, but it, like you said, it will be good eventually, right? They'll yeah. they'll take the time, they'll spend the money to make it good, right? And they never do, but it doesn't yeah. matter because they have your money. And the thing is, I think just people forgive these big open world games because, but it's the biggest openest world. It's what I want because a lot of people want that. They just want the world's biggest. Yeah, open they want world. one game they can play like forever. Forever, yeah. They they want a desert island game. That's why uh, Fortnite does something. Yeah, but I think it's a bad open world. They're one of the companies that can make an open world. They just didn't try to craft it in such a way where it's interesting, right? Yeah. Where it's, a, you know, like, look, Breath of the Wild's world's way smaller. Almost every inch of that game is interesting. Like, wherever you explore, I mean, yeah, sometimes you're climbing up fuck off Rain Mountain, yeah. right? But, like, it's fun. To, like, it's funner to do that because... The, the world is just, you know, you'll get up there and there'll be a shrine with a unique experience. Yeah. Sometimes that shrine makes you use the motion controls on your Switch and you want to die. <laughs> but they're all crafted, you know, they're not copy and pasted cra- uh, experiences. There's elements that are somewhat copy and pasted, like types of things. You know, there's this, you know, there's centaur enemies everywhere. There's big giants everywhere that, you know, are similar, but they're different. They look different, they act different, they drop different things. There's different environments around it, different ways to fight it. They're done in a way where they planned a route. It's not It's not just we made um, an algorithm and we're going to duplicate this algorithm times 20, 100 miles. They crafted so many rooms that it became a large open world. Yeah. And I I, I, I much rather appreciate that. You know, I uh, so uh, one more game I want to bring up, Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm not a big Rockstar fan. Uh, I understand they're probably a bunch of good Grand Theft Autos. So just, it just never appealed to me because my funnest thing to do with Rockstar games is go play at a friend's house. Just do whatever the fuck I want for a couple of hours and then not buy it. <laughs> You're like, well, I'm going to go play Grand Theft Auto and like crash a, heli- uh, a car into a helicopter. Got my Grand Theft Auto story. Time to go home. Yep. I just tried to fuck around as much as I could in, in Red Dead Redemption for a couple of hours on, uh, on Ross's file once. And... I killed a bunch of people, and I couldn't load their bodies onto trains. I got really upset. I wanted to make a corpse pile on trains. <laughs> whatever. You're not going to let me do that. That's fine. I can't pick a guy up over a ledge. Whatever. And then I just kind of went into a direction explored. And, like, I'm just, I'm just trees and mountains and stuff. It's just like, yeah. you know, I'm not on the critical path. I'm not on a road. So it's just nature. And you're like, well, that's how it exactly would exist in real life. And you're like, yeah, that's boring. Yeah. Right? I, if I'm in an open world, and you have all this space, I want stuff in that space. Yeah. Right? I don't want to just climb to a mountain and get to the top of it and be like, well, that's what a top of a mountain looks like. Sure. Right? You climb a mountain in Zelda, Breath of the Wild, there's stuff up there, usually. Yeah, usually. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a rock thing. There's not. And if there's not, it's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. And, and again, I know there's a different audience who's just, I want a game that I can play for 300, 400 hours. Right? Yeah. And that's not necessarily me, but I still think there's better experiences than these sorts of games. I think you can play that with Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can get more hours in Dark Souls than you can in Skyrim before you get bored, personally. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I put, like, 800 hours into Monster Hunter World. You know? Yeah. And, like... No one plays those fucking games in America. Yeah. In the West. Yeah, it's a problem. Um, I've put... I mean, I put several hundred hours just into Rise, and... I haven't even played most content of Rise, you know? Yeah. Like, I stopped playing 
like within a month or so. Yeah, that's the shocking thing. To a small Monster Hunter aside, a big part of the community was like, this base game's unfinished. Only got 200 hours into it. <laughs> exactly. And you're just like, what, man? And like, that's the thing is when you have games that do these things right, in my opinion, the expectations are different, right? And, you know, that could be a legitimate complaint yeah. that there's not enough content in Rise relative to the other Monster Hunters. But there's no other game you would say that about. Yeah. And and maybe we we could or should. But you to, know? Be, to be fair, that game didn't release unfinished. That game released without content as planned. Right? Yeah. They, they were like, we are going to roll out more content of Rise as people play the game. Yeah. You know? That was planned. And that's that's completely legitimate. That's not that's not like a release now update later. That's that's we are releasing with intended updates, and the point is that we keep people playing and we keep content fresh. So that people don't just play for 300 hours and are done, you know, and never pick up the game again. Yeah, and, and, and it works because you're like, oh, oh my god, a Latrion came out. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's go fight a Latrion. Yeah, because... And then you're like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> because their their intended audience are are the kind of people that want to play that game for months and months and yeah. months. You know, that's fine, right? The point... Uh, we've, we've been dancing around here. The, the, the point when you make art media when you make a game or a movie or a book or anything like that the things you say and the space you take up needs to be meaningful you know when you read a book and a character you know says a line that line needs to inform you of something it's not just that you know i mean not literally every single line but uh the idea is when when something is when something is put forth as as a fundamental part of a character of a game of a movie or something like that um, it needs to inform you of that part. When Skyrim says we have the biggest map in the world, that world need that map, the size of that map needs to be fundamentally important. Yeah. Instead of just our map is so big and we filled it with bullshit, it needs to be filled with something important. Or it needs to be fucking smaller. And I've been saying this for years. Games need to be smaller because smaller games tend to be more focused on what they're trying to say, on points they're trying to make. And this includes games that don't have, uh, like, philosophy behind them. Like, this morning I was playing uh, Risk of Rain 2 with a friend of mine, which is just a a cooperative PvE roguelite. uh, Roguelike. Uh, It's, you just, you go through and you pick up a bunch of items. You, You pick a character, you pick up a bunch of items, and with those items you make a build. And by the end of that run, right, kind of like Hades, like by the end of the yeah, run... Like, why aren't you playing Hades then? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but this is cooperative, cooperative PvE. Oh, sure, sure, sure. You know? So, by the end of that run, you and your friends have made, like, sick builds and are fucking damage monsters. And it's just fun to do. The game is fundamentally short. That game is so good to, like, play for a day or a weekend and then not pick it up for months. And then later, when you're talking to your friends on Discord and they're like, they're like, ah, oh, what do we want to do? And somebody says, let's just play Risk of Rain. It's like, fuck yeah, that's fun. Because that game is what it needs to be. It's fun for a little bit, and then you put it down, and then later you come back, and it's just as fun as it was. Yeah. Because it used, the space it takes up is exactly the space it needs to be what it wants to be. You know? When when something like Skyrim comes out, it's and they're like, oh, it's the biggest fucking world ever, it's just taking up too fucking much space. Because there's nothing that it wants to do with that space. It wants to sell you an idea and then give you nothing for it. Yeah, and if you're saying, well, I really want Big World, I really want a game where, you know, there's a thousand choices and your choices matter. Uh, yeah, when has that ever been promised to work out? <laughs> exactly, you know, like, I guess, you know, play Mass Effect or, like, 
Dragon Age or something? Oh yeah, remember remember in Mass Effect where they fucked up the ending and none of your choices matter, so they had to really patch in a new ending? <laughs> like, that's exactly the problem. It's like, we, we, we promised, you know, we promised this big concept, it didn't work out, uh, Yeah. If you pay us, we'll give you a slightly more satisfying yeah. ending. What? And for a lot of people, it's too late. Yeah. To use my favorite example to talk about games lately, because it's our one true altar lord, uh, Dark Souls, mm. when there's a higher degree of risk, you try harder. <laughs> <laughs> right? If you need to get your souls back in Dark Souls, you're more careful. Uh, many games uh, that I play, I'm just like, oh, whatever the fuck, I don't care if I die. Right? Yeah. And so I play better. When you know you can update later, you're not going to try as hard. Yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, a game I was going to relate it to that we mentioned earlier is uh, Magic the Gathering. So they Magic got big enough where they released way more sets, right? Way more cards per, per year because more cards means more money means more revenue. So they don't have as much time to test if these cards work or not. So now they have less time and less resources to test if things are balanced. There was a good decade where no cards got banned in the, the standard, the most normal format. We have so many a year over the last couple of years. And they just announced that they're going to start patching cards. That now Magic Magic is mostly an online game. Because the main format people are going to play now is a format where if they fuck up the cards, they'll change the numbers on it. Which yeah. is how Hearthstone and all the other card games work. But that's just we now have a fundamentally different game. Magic turned into Hearthstone because Hearthstone is a more profitable model. Yeah. And they don't have to spend as much time crafting really good and balanced pieces. They just kind of craft as much as they can and see what sticks. And if it if it's fucked up, they'll just change it. Yeah. And and that lack of risk that the company has now makes it so we never get the same sort of average quality of product. That the 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 designs aren't as clean. The the wording isn't quite as thoughtful because it doesn't matter anymore because we just need to get more. It's not about, it's not about making each piece really good. It's about releasing as many pieces as possible to generate as much profit as we possibly can. Yeah. And that actually segues incredibly well into uh, You're welcome. A, another topic I, w- I want to talk about, uh, obviously related, is what I've been thinking of as like the digitalization of games um, and the gamosphere in general. What I mean by that is the PS5 and the Xbox, whatever the fuck Xbox we're on. What is it? I, uh, I think it's Series X or something. I don't know why I think it's Scorpion, but that can't be right. <laughs> the Xbox <laughs> Scorpion and the PS5. God, that would just be better. It really would be. They both released with um, digital-only editions of their consoles, right? Which is, they just don't have disc slots anymore. And this has been kind of... Yeah, like, my computer doesn't. I haven't owned a computer with a disc slot in years. Yeah. You know? Where am I supposed to put my drinks? I don't, <laughs> I don't remember the last time. It's funny, because all the people who haven't seen a disc slot in their whole life, they kind of look like drink holders. Um, but yeah, the, it, it's a five-year-old meme. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, by trying to, like, phase out digital media... Like, GameStop wouldn't host... uh, Wouldn't sell digital edition only's for a bit like they they were trying to say no to it because it directly damages their their yeah. sales right 
Oh, and GameStop is, of course, failing. Uh, yeah, GameStop's, like, staring at a Circuit City, like, <laughs> fading from the horizon. <laughs> and then, like, up in heaven. Uh, sorry, not in heaven. Sorry. Uh, no, that's not where those yeah. places go. Uh, uh, up in the sky, it's like Mufasa and Radio Shack <laughs> staring down as, as they join them in Game, the cloud. GameStop, GameStop comes home, and they, like, grab a beer out of the fridge. And when they turn around, there's, like, a Radio Shack standing there. You know? <laughs> they they blink, and they rub their eyes, and the Radio Shack's gone. And they're like, no! No, you foul spirits! <laughs> um, the... The death of physical media isn't isn't purely a thing that's that's uh you know like the game industry's fault, but the game industry is is more and more heavily transitioning into digital media almost exclusively. The Steam stores existed forever, um, and Steam is is as f- like it's good for a lot of uh game releases, like a lot of bigger name releases, but it's also an absolute wasteland of indie garbage, right? Like if you type in you know survival crafting into Steam. You will lose your faith in people's ability to make games. But most importantly, like, all of these games, all of these industries are shifting towards a digital-only landscape. And the point of that is not for accessibility. It's not like, okay, I don't have to get a disc shipped to my house anymore. You know, I don't have to go out to the GameStop. There's obviously an environmental good in that, like, we're not just designing a ton of plastic cases for every single game that exists that's fine right but that's not why they're doing it that's not why they're going digital it's because when games are digital the companies that make them have more and more influence over what those games are and who owns them more and more games are switching into uh not not exactly the steam model but like the the xbox game pass model or uh what you know what ps now is about to become because uh, they're trying to transform PS Now into like a model yeah, that can be the Netflix Game model. It is the Netflix model, right? Where you just buy a subscription and then you can you can just play games, right? But you don't own those games, right? You don't own the games you make anymore. And the more games are hosted on servers, the more uh, games are like okay, you to play this game, you're going to require updates. You you're going to need an internet connection. Um, the more we say, okay, we can update that game later and make it better or fix problems and things like that, the more we risk those games failing to exist in the future, you know? Like, it's not to say that, like, all servers are bad, but, like, what is, you know, what is Demon Souls from the PS3? What is that without its servers, you know? It's still a good game, but it's it's lacking something, right? It, it literally has a boss that can be a, a different player. Yeah. A different player can be the boss and you have to beat a player. And without that, that boss is just kind of boring. Yeah, it's super boring, right? Versus, holy shit, this is one of the coolest things ever. And, like, like the, the Soul series in general, you know, it runs heavily off of, like, uh, people leaving messages for other players to, to point you in the right direction. Or the wrong direction, because that's fun, right? There's an interaction in the community that, that's... <laughs> There's an interaction element in the community that's that's really valuable in those games. And, like, what are they going to be when, when their servers shut down, you know? Uh, we were just, we just, what are we just going to remake, uh, you know, Dark Souls 1 for, you know, the PS6 or whatever? Or we already remade, um. I hope so. <laughs> me too, but we already remade Demon Souls. My, my point is, as games become more digital, we own less of them, right? We become, we become less in charge of, of what we're purchasing. And the, the idea, the goal, especially of the AAA industry, is that you don't own your games at all. It's all subscription uh, bullshit, you know? It's all Destinies and, and 
World of Warcrafts and League of Legends and Fortnites and shit. It's it's everything that they can just continue to suck money out of you. And uh, yeah, what's if, better than one lump of money? A continuous stream of money. Exactly. You know, it, it so someday you're not going to buy the next FIFA game. You're just going to continue paying your FIFA subscription for the next. It's only sixty dollars a year. <laughs> it's also one weird side note. Like I'm a big sports guy. So, but I never buy these games new because you can buy like a game that's two years old for two dollars. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy that they're still this, like they still just get everyone like, well, I gotta get the new one. There's slight roster updates yeah. that they don't let me do in like a slightly older game. But like all the old ones cost no money, yet their system is incredibly pro- profitable. Yeah, they they lose their they lose their value almost instantaneously. That's the other thing with physical media is you can almost always find a. A game, a physical copy of a game for cheaper than you can buy it on the store, you know? Um, Unless it's Nintendo. Well, also, some games are, like, being, are being regulated to, or, sorry, not regulated. Also, some games are being relegated to uh, exclusively subscription services, right? So, like, you could buy a physical copy for, you know, whatever, five bucks, or you can pay a $40 subscription to play it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's bad. That's not good. And it, it also, it's like you said, it incentivizes them to work less hard on those games. Because they just put them out, and if it doesn't work, it's like, it's very little risk for the companies to, to make games and put them out at that point. But it's still the same risk for you to buy them. Not to mention the price hike of games up to $70 now, you know? Yeah, which is becoming slowly untenable. Uh, slowly. Yeah. It's been untenable since they were uh, above 40 frankly. Yeah. But I will say this much. 2021 has been a fucking awful year for the AAA industry. It's just been bad. And the indie scene is booming like we've never seen it before. Like, so many of the biggest games of the year are now indie games. And that trend is has been occurring for a few years. But it's like, people just are caring less and less about AAA products. Which I think is good. For all the reasons we've said. That's not to say all indie products are good. Like I said, Steam is an absolute fucking wasteland of indie games that just aren't good. You know? Like, early yeah. access is a blight on the industry, I think. But at the same time, you occasionally get, you know, your Subnautica's and shit. Yeah. This goes to the No Man's Sky problem, right? Where you can have these indie games that can promise a whole bunch, and maybe if the early access works out, they get the funding, Right. Or you get stuck in the Star Citizen problem. Oh my god. Where, look, maybe one day, this world will be as big as they promise. I fucking don't believe it. No. Like, I never believe that inherently, and I feel like I've been hearing about Star Citizen since Fantasy Star Online. That's a reference only I probably get. (laughs) Um, But that's the issue, right? Is you can believe in this game and throw money into it and hope, you know, go to their Kickstarters or their OnlyFans. I don't know how they do it anymore. (laughs) And, and hopefully get the product that they promised to you, or it might never happen. Yeah. And part of this is the issue that, uh, you know, the huge chunk of the pie, the triple the A, you know, the triple A industry owns because they have these extreme marketing teams, right? But, like, one of the reasons, you know, Star Citizen has, you know, a decent amount of backers is because a lot, you know, you, the audience, have probably heard of it, right? <laughs> There's definitely indie games, you know, we've referenced today that a good portion of people are going to be like, eh, I never really heard of that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just shockingly important to get your, your name out there. It's shockingly important to promise more than that you can offer, <laughs> right? 
And it's it's becoming more and more crucial to have these sort of like early access and beta bullshit where they can just they can just have unfinished products and everyone's like, well, it's the beta. You know, eventually, eventually this will all be fine and dandy. Yeah. You know, it's a problem now, but it won't be a problem when it comes out. And it just leads to this sort of false optimism and this lack of attention to detail that I, these that all these in, these creators. Yeah, like, I also th- I also think it leads to fundamentally unfinished products even at their official launch. Like, how many years did Arc uh, sit in early access? Right, like more than a decade. I still can't even imagine what that game is. It's yeah, it's it's survival crafting uh, against like robot dinosaurs, and you can like. Tame them you're, and stuff. You, you're describing Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> but Ark is also an MMO. Um, Ark was in. We was really in, just don't have that many ideas in the AAA <laughs> industry, do we? Oh, uh, Ark is not AAA. Ark is you know it was it was you know, it, it's big enough. It's a big game. It is big now, right? Uh, but yeah. it, it took it took you know a decade for it to to get big. But Ark was releasing. Uh, DLC packs while it was still in early access. Like, it just just stayed in early access forever. And then one day it was just like, yeah, I guess we'll release now, you know? But, like, that game was never truly finished. Not in any way that, like, you would would really think, you know? And the the same has been true of of minigames. Like, notably, more recently, I say recent, it's many years, but um, The Forest... Right was a a survival crafting multiplayer game where it was like you landed on an island you had to you know you had to survive but there's also like cannibals in the woods and monsters and stuff uh, and there's like some kind of sophisticated AI going on be- between the cannibals you can do things that like scare them off and you can do things that kind of make them like you more and they they uh, kind of communicate between one another it's like if if two of them show up and you kill one of them, the other one will run away, and then he'll come back later that night with his friends, and they'll try to kill you. That kind of stuff, right? But that game's janky and buggy. All right, it's conceptually very interesting, uh, but it's janky and buggy, and it always has been, even when it was early access. And then it it went into full release, and just none of it was fixed. They were just like, I guess we're just done, you know, being in early access. We're just gonna release it. And but we're not gonna fix anything. It's just gonna be janky and buggy. And now there's like a VR version of it, which sounds fucking terrifying. <laughs> honestly, like, like legitimately, I don't want to play that game in VR because I think I'll shit my pants. Right? It's it would legitimately be so scary. But it would also be janky and buggy. Yeah, you know, because I know it is. And what like what kind of model is that set? You know, when we, when we think about like that's a successful indie game and what it did a few years in early access and then just decided to stop updating itself and uh and and go into full release like that's bad yeah to put on my tinfoil hat you ever you ever wonder if it's like buggy stuff can trend on twitter and like no there's no such thing as bad press that's true you know like uh you know maybe there's some sort of you know you put these betas out and you have this jank and you just get people talking about it yeah i mean how many how many people bought fallout 76 because they had a youtube channel and they knew that that yeah. was going to be, like, solid content. To just be like, look how bad this is. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's, like, a huge market. But it's not nobody. Yeah, right. You know? yeah. So, it, it, yeah, no press is bad press. And I think I think that's a significant problem. Uh, and, I mean, I think in, in many ways Steam is a problem, right? Because, like, one of these days, one day, 
Steam's not going to exist anymore. And yeah, people people have told me, people have said when Steam does when Steam eventually shuts down, just lose all their games. Well, they're uh, from what from from my understanding, Valve has been like, no, we'll make a way for everybody to download their games permanently. You know, but like a lot of people have libraries of hundreds or thousands of games. Hey, you don't have you know? space. Harder. Yeah. No, yeah, like, who's who's got the space for that? And yeah, Many and, people just buy games on sale, and then, like, maybe one day I'll play it. Yeah, and also, like, yeah, Steam Steam has the files and stuff, but, like, are they gonna be, are they gonna be able to deliver on that promise? You know? My, my question, really, or are they even gonna be willing to deliver on that promise? My yeah. question, really, is, like, when that day comes, are, are you gonna lose all your games on and, Steam? And, you know, Video game companies notoriously great at keeping their promises, right? Exactly. <laughs> Everything we've talked about. <laughs> um, so these kind of things honestly make me worried. You know, the 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 continued digitalization of of the industry, yeah. the the lack of respect for both player and product that the AAA industry shows, yeah. the disturbing space that Steam's created, or not just Steam, but you know every every platform that really allow that like allows indies, like even Switch and stuff. Um, there's a, there's a lot of just like, not just bad games, but like games that are just asset flips and stuff like that. And and there's a level of media that's all kind of like this transient nature of it, but like you can watch Citizen Kane and talk about what it did and what it felt. I get that playing Pong on the Atari isn't the same that it was, right? But it's interesting. It's there. It's, it allows you to take the media medium more seriously. It allows you to look at games like art more critically, right? Instead of, you, no one's going to ever say Fortnite's art. I mean, maybe someone will. You know? <laughs> maybe, da- you know, making up dance moves on models is artistic in a certain way. Fortnite doesn't make up dance moves. It steals them from TikTok. Is it really? Yeah, so like the... I keep up with oh, this very, shit. Oh, no, no, very very famously, uh, the Flossie dance, which is what, the, the dance that Fortnite... That came from known. Fortnite? Oh, my God. No. It didn't. It, yeah, but like it's it's popularized because it, of Fortnite. Yes, because uh, uh, what was before TikTok? The Vine. Vine. Yeah. So um, a uh, a young uh, black kid made a Vine where they were doing the the flossy dance, right? And then Fortnite, Epic Games, uh, stole it and put it on their store for money. But what if we made celebrities do it on Jimmy Fallon? Oh my god! Exactly. No, that's <laughs> the thing. It's like. Epic copyrighted it. It's theirs. They stole it, and they've made millions of dollars off the flossy dance. Right? It's not theirs, God, what? and that's not the only one they've done that with. Who do you think's more upset, that or the Naked Baby on the Nevermind album by Nirvana? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like one. They're both exploited in very weird ways. <laughs> You know, like yeah. maybe maybe it's an icebreaker for the Nevermind guy, right? He's, you know, right, he's like, yeah. I'm on that album. I'm that I'm that naked. My baby. penis is bigger than that. Please take. It. <laughs> and they're like, "What's Nevermind?" <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I like dated myself so much. I'm like, I don't know about this new stuff. And you're like, "What's the old TikTok?" Fine, I know that one. <laughs> yeah, I want. I remember Obama's first turn like it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that. That's that's the kind of thing you know, Epic does, right? Like. Yeah, that didn't derail you. <laughs> yep, not at all. So this kind of relates to an argument I make a lot about movies, right? With the Disneyfication of movies. 
is there's one side of the argument that's kind of like, well, you know, people are having fun. Like, a lot of people enjoy these movies. Like, just let people have fun. And yeah, I, you know, I like some of these movies. I'm not saying they're all bad. But the consequence is we have an extremely homogenized product, right? You're not going to get a new Matrix. Like, I mean, you'll get another <laughs> Matrix. They literally just released but a not Matrix. A, but not a movie. Like, when, when the Matrix came out, Everyone's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. You know, you don't get these paradigm shifters anymore because when they look at the paradigm, they're like, well, how can we make 14 of these? Right? Yeah. Now, they're going to keep making Matrixes. They're going to keep making Star Wars. They're going to keep making Marvel movies. They're going to keep making everything that you've already seen. I really don't like you saying they're going to keep making more Matrixes because that just hit me like a truck. Yeah, it's 100%. Just didn't want to ever have that thought in my head. No, like, like we are probably five years away from a new Back to the Future trilogy. Like, that's... You shut your fucking (laughs) mouth! That's just the reality is we're not... Those are my favorite movies. Yeah, we're trying to sell something we know sells. I want to be clear. I don't want more of them. They were perfect and done. Yeah. Yeah. How How did all these extra Star Wars go? And so, you know, a good example, uh, Star, I'll use Star Wars, for example, uh, the Disney movie that I think people like the most from the Star Wars, the Disney Star Wars, is Rogue One. And I remember leaving the theater, and we're all walking out, and everyone's like, oh, what do they think? And I was like, I don't really like it that much. And, I, you know, again, I know a lot of people like this movie, uh, and I they're being like, well, you know, like, there's nothing, like, egregious in it. And I was like, yeah, but it was boring. And they're like, well, it was just boring. And I'm like, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I went to go see a Star Wars movie and I was bored. Yeah, like this that, is an entertainment product. Yeah, like, that's not great. And it's like, yeah, it did all the thing. You know, you, you, I heard TIE Fighters. Yeah. Yeah, I saw lightsabers. Con- <laughs> contrarily, uh, me and a few friends recently went and saw the uh, the second Venom movie. And we came out and, and we were all just like, how was that? And everybody was just like... Yeah, that sucked, but it was very fun to watch. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It was incredibly poorly made, but very fun. Yeah, and you know, again, it's fun to sometimes it's fun to play these these janky nonsense early access games. Yeah. It's a similar thing. You have your friends, and you know, you sit around and you make fun of it. But we are trending towards a, the product that we know we can sell. We know we can sell GTA, so we're gonna get GTA clones until the day we and everything else dies. Yeah. Um, we know shooters work. We're gonna have infinite shooters and just i don't see the next dark souls being that close around the corner <laughs> you know i don't see these paradigm shifters other than in the indie sphere that are are really going to significantly change what we're looking at because it's not profitable to go out on a limb yeah right it's just release something that you know that works and then tune it until everyone shuts up <laughs> yeah exactly and especially in the indie sphere like this is this is a super detriment because a lot of people I, I respect, like a lot of um, critics I respect, have talked about a specific game, Disco Elysium, as one of the greatest games ever made. I've had Disco Elysium in my Steam library for many months now, and I'm just, I'm just not playing it until we can make a podcast about it, because I don't, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to, like, I don't want to put that worm in my brain just yet, right? But... It's cool, we got Dark Souls worms. Yeah, we got the Dark Souls worms. But I, I respect the hell out of the game, and I respect everyone that, that said it's one of the greatest games ever made. But I wonder how many people have even played it, you know? Like, is this a game that, that it's just people are going to talk about? It's like, it's like, oh yeah, that game was uh, phenomenal, and like, nobody fucking played it. Except just the, the regular people who are already playing indie games, right? Disco Elysium is not going mainstream. Not in the way that, like, Hades did 
You know, yeah. people talk about this Elysium, but people rave about Hades. Yep. You know, and I wonder, you know, where where the disconnect is. Like, like, how do we make indie games that are actually quality? How do we how do we make those mainstream? How how do we get that into the public sphere? And how do we let them change the way games are made? Because so many indie games, even now, are they're iterations on the same concepts that we see in AAA. You know, it's like okay, this game is you know a top down souls like metroidvania right that's fine it might be a really good one but it's not innovative in that way yeah. it's not generating a new genre in the way that like souls did you know yeah like triple a companies aren't trying to make versions of undertale right exactly. <laughs> you know right it's it's one of the biggest games of the last of the last like decade or so you had to make sure it was a decade ago right you're like i had to think about it, it. it was on 15 years I ago i was like i don't want to add another decade to this thought you know, yeah, but yeah, it's one of the it's one of the biggest games in the indie scene. You know, uh, you've called it one of the core pillars of indie, and I yeah. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. But no AAA industry, no AAA company is trying to make an Undertale, yeah, or making you know the closest the the closest AAA comes uh, to making intellectual games is like another Last of Us, yeah, right, and that's like the one company that made Last of Us, and they kind of suck, yeah, and know? like yeah, you know. Insert Death Stranding thought here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Death Stranding is is it can we even consider Kojima Kojima Productions a AAA company? Like kind of, right? Because the product they put out was what yeah. we would consider like AAA quality, even though I really don't want to use those words because uh-huh. I don't think AAA is a measure of quality, it's a measure of of budget and sort of like manpower. Yeah. You know, it's a measure of like what is the scope of game you can put out? Yeah, um, sure. But it doesn't necessarily speak to the quality of that experience, right? Because again, you can make you can make your Skyrims all day. Like one person can't make Skyrim. You need a AAA company to make Skyrim. That doesn't make it good. Uh, I recently learned that uh, Kojima did not want to make Metal Gear Solid Four, and he kind of under protest, and that makes me feel so much better about him. Yeah, no, he didn't want to make. Yeah, Skyrim. I, I just didn't know that about Four specifically. He. Uh, he really didn't want to make it. And you're like, I forgive you now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, but but yeah, it's just really funny. Like, he's like, oh, you want me to make this? I'm going to be so annoying. <laughs> I'm going to be so fucking yeah, petty yeah, about there's this. Literally, I'm going to make Rose the person you call. <laughs> <laughs> Raiden's going to fight Vamp with a sword in uh, his feet. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a fetish. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but... Yeah, he didn't want... How, many, how, how much egg cooking can I get away in this game? <laughs> Zero? I don't... We're gonna need a little bit more than that. <laughs> I'm pasting. <laughs> Nobody you. can see your hands. Hey, uh... <laughs> I don't think it's for the cats. I think it's for you. Uh, no, this is all staying in. Oh, God, Jesus. Uh, I just like the coach about being like, who is the most annoying... You sing... Is she sing terribly? Bring her over here. Bring her over. Come here. Sing for me. Yeah. It's gonna be Oakley. Olga Glukovich's uh, daughter. <laughs> no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> That's my S- fucking point. Sunny, like the egg. I... Yeah, so, yeah, he didn't want to make that game. Um, he was, I don't know if he was done with, with 3, but he didn't have another Metal Gear in him at the time. Yeah, it's just, like, well, he's like, I think what it was was just like, oh, I want to make new stuff. I want to make the same thing forever. Yeah. And, Kon- and it's exactly the thing we're talking about. It's like, Konami's like, no, you have to make the same yeah. thing forever. Because we needs know to be made. it works. He's like, I want to make a game where you deliver packages. And they're like, <laughs> let's 
bunch of reasons we don't want you to do that. <laughs> but also mostly our greed. <laughs> but also, Jesus, that really that's really what you want to make? Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, four was obviously a mess. But then he did come come and make five. And five was like a genuine effort. But I also think it's interesting, like, how that series develops over time. Like, the way it, it kind of worked. You know, for like, in Metal Solid 1, it's all about being sort of an anti-hero this part's gonna be a bitch to edit <laughs> well <laughs> in, in Metal Gear 1 they're they're like the whole thing is is about like how snake is no hero you know like the 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 legendary soldier yeah. is no fucking hero at all right because there's no heroes in war and then by five they're just like they're just they're just sucking off big boss on screen you know because yeah. that's what the series became about it doesn't matter. It didn't come up with the ideas. It came about yeah. the assets inside those ideas. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it doesn't even matter what they say about Big Boss by the end. It's the fact that, like, uh, that 3, 4, and 5 all revolve around how fucking important Big Boss is. You yeah. know? It doesn't matter what they say about it at that point. It's the fact that half the series, more than half the series, just revolves about around how important Big Boss is as a person on a global scale. And it's interesting that they... they they completely like 180 yeah like with that it idea. undercuts your your original message yeah and you know part of that i think is okay you just have to keep talking about these same characters and you're like but i already talked about it yeah completely but it, battlefield. i mean even the same thing in like death stranding you know is, is like okay you have you have your main character being like the everyman you know just like just like a postal worker out there to save the world but he's also the chosen hero yeah you know named specifically the chosen to save the postman world. it really is you know so it's this like, is like so close to that community but <laughs> <laughs> i'm the truest repairman <laughs> the truest repairman oh but yeah it, it's just interesting how how those series develop right and the same thing with like with like souls is you know like you you get a lot of innovation in the early Souls game, and by three, it's just like, can we pander? I know can- what that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Remember, remember all the stuff. Remember, remember the Storm Ruler. Yeah. You know what that is. So remember how it made you feel emotional reaction? Can you just remember that? Yeah, because <laughs> it's hard to generate that same emotional reaction again. Yeah, making games is hard, but it's really profitable. So we're gonna keep doing that, and just if you could, if you could, uh, just kind of work with us on that one. You know. Yeah. To, to, to go back to the, the one of the two wells I really like in this is maybe I'm just a hyper nerd and I grew up with this or whatever, but when Han Solo shoots those TIE fighters in the Death Star Trench Run in The New Hope, I literally, 90% of the time, my hair stand up on my arm. Yeah. I just, it just gets me. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that for a <laughs> Disney Star Wars. None the, you know, uh, sorry, for a prequel. Nonetheless, the Disney Star Wars. What, you didn't, you didn't feel that way when... They like, shot those speeders that were chasing her yeah, in episode nine. Fl- yeah, or um, uh, she like threw a chain under their under their motorcycle and it flipped and exploded yeah. and threw the guy into a wall. Or Poe, a character we just met who just sunk into the sand and died, isn't dead. I'm like, oh, you're back. <laughs> I almost know who you are. You're a kind of a proxy for something I am actually attached to. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Metal Gear rambling. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was saying it aside to you, and then you just went with it. I had stuff to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Metal Gear and Dark Souls, their evolution over time does speak to the idea of like what games can be and what we can expect from them. And they're kind of like the people I trust the most. Yeah, that's kind of true. I don't know how much I trust, I trust Kojima, Kojima yeah. but at the same time... Like, One of us is saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> don't know who. Kojima, uh, call us up. 
and uh, tell us. Yeah, let's start a blood war with you. Yeah. Um, look, my my, my opinions on Kojima are like, I see now I'm saying your way, but uh, mm. uh well, yeah, like I don't want to have one of us is winning. I value uniqueness. Not only uniqueness is good, but like, yeah, he bucks fucking trends. He doesn't give a shit. It's true. And so, like, that's what made Dark Souls work. Yeah. Which we will definitely talk about for more than a month. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe five months straight. Yeah, Who knows? We'll, 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 we'll see how far I can get in the second round. Um, <laughs> we'll do that one last. It's fine. Yeah. A phrase I've heard used to describe from software is they're characterized by their indifference to the player. And that's really interesting. And that, you know, Kojima's not quite that, but like, it's a similar idea where it's, we don't care what what you're looking for. We're making something. You might like it. Yeah. And that's how stuff is invented. Yeah. Right? Like, that's how we get new ideas, new art forms, stuff that really, you know, shifts paradigms. And... Maybe you won't have to play the same goddamn PvP game where they're slightly shifting how much damage your guns do or how much AP scaling your items have if you just get different genres every once in a while. You know, every time we get anything remotely resembling a new genre, like Battle Royale, it, like, destroys the industry for a second. (laughs) It's just like, we have a hundred different types of games. And, like, you know what? One of those you're probably going to like, right? And that's cool. You know, like it's even though Battle Royale got, you know, blown out of proportion, that's a lot of game time for a lot of people who are looking for that sort of thing. And that's cool. Yeah. You know, people like PUBG, like Apex, people like Fortnite. There's really nothing wrong with that. It was actually so funny when um, when Fortnite first came out, PUBG tried to uh, sue them for taking their thing because like PUBG originated the Battle Royale genre, right? But PUBG was created by basically like Unity Assets. They, they basically just bought asset packs and made a game out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like like everyone does. But there was there was literally nothing in their game that was like original, you know that they that you could that you could brand as exclusive to PUBG, right? They like, tried to like brand having a frying pan in the game. They're like they're like okay, let's that's our thing. We have a frying pan in the game. We're famous for that. Nintendo's like Super Smash Brothers melee bitches, <laughs> exactly, right? They. PUBG tried to sue a number of companies for trying to for making other battle royales, but their game was so fucking generic in all of its assets that they had no legs to stand <laughs> on. PUBG originated battle royale, and then Fortnite came in and made every asset in their game specifically cartoony and weird, so that it was exclusively theirs. Well, also my favorite thing was like that wasn't the original intention of Fortnite. It was like some oh, sort yeah, of no. one player building <laughs> yeah. experience. And they're like, whoa! They added a BR mode after. Yeah, they're like, hey, did you notice this dead horse spitting out money right outside <laughs> our door? Let's fucking kick it. <laughs> they now they've created a, a machine that's like a series of boots on a wheel that yeah. just continually <laughs> kicks the horse. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but the, it's so funny to me that like that the originator of one of the biggest genres in the world right now uh, created the most generic product in the world so that they couldn't even cl- make claim to the genre. Yeah, and their their single 
biggest competitor. Like, like the people just came into the sphere and did it a billion times better than them and took over entirely. Yeah. God, I, uh, real quick, I love at the beginning when PUBG first came out, where everyone's like, oh my god, this game looks terrible. And it's like, yeah, you turn the graph filter all the way down so bushes don't appear. <laughs> and so, I like, everyone played with purposely the lowest quality to get better strategic advantages yeah. and it's like okay this sounds like a mess i do that in valheim actually valheim is a is a multiplayer uh, survival crafting game but it's like aesthetically really cool because it's 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 all viking times right you probably so, guessed by the name yeah it's that viking aesthetic but the buildings are all like you build viking buildings it's designed in such a way that like makes you build that way mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting because there's just no other there's no other game that builds like that you know you the things you make in valheim are very unique when compared to the rest of everything else you make in any other survival crafting game, you know, including even like Minecraft. But Valheim, you have to run around in the forest a lot and like hunt deer and things like that, um, and like find mushrooms and flowers and stuff. And if you just if you just turn down like your, it's not all the graphics, but it's like the level of detail on the ground. Yeah. All the grass goes away. Yeah, put the foliage just, button down. You can just see shit. You know, yeah. So like the second, the first thing I do on Valheim is just turn, turn that shit, turn off the grass. Yeah, you know? and I'm just running around uh, like these barren hills covered in trees and stuff. But it doesn't even look bad. Like it's not, it's not a bad way to do it. It's just something yeah. you get used to. I just think it's interesting that like that is an instance of intentions from the developers clashing with the actual gameplay. Um, what what players want from it, right? Because you can't just say I'm just well, you can, but. You can say, I'm just going to make a game that's for me, or I'm going to make a game that's for players, but you still want to say something either way you do that, right? I'm not expecting people to put out over and over, like, The Longing, which is a game that takes 400 real days to play. Uh-oh. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's a game made for the developer. They were working something out when they made yeah, that game, yeah, yeah. right? I don't expect other people to make that, but I wonder what would happen. Like, why can't AAA Studios put out shit that's like, Papers, please. You know that's Just explain like, that. <laughs> Papers, please is one of the biggest indie games in the world. Like I, I bet you a lot of people don't know. What Papers, none of my friends know Papers, please. Is. That's sad. Papers, please is is made by Lucas. <laughs> it's a really specific and weird thing. It's really it's. I, mean, I understand it's big, but like it is. You know, it's big in the gamosphere. I'll say that. Um. Yeah. Right. Papers, please is is one of the standout indies, and explaining it feels wrong. But it's. I mean, it's a it's a paper simulator, right? It's a it. You, <laughs> that's not right. A paper I simulator. I don't want to. All right, so <laughs> I don't I'll explain papers, please. The premise of it. All right, you're 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 this guy in this this totalitarian country called Arstotska, and you have been chosen for the October labor lottery, which means you work the border. People line up outside all day, and they bring to you their papers to cross the border, and you have to verify all their papers, have the correct information, and decide if they get across or not. Sometimes there's, like, terrorist attacks at the border and stuff like that. Um, sometimes people will present you with moral choices. Like, one of the very first ones that comes in, a guy comes in and his papers are all good. And you're like, cool, go on through. And he's like, he's like, he's like, thanks, my wife's right behind me, you know? And he goes through and his wife comes through and her papers are wrong. And now you're faced with a choice of, do I turn away this man's wife? Do I split this family? across the border and the reason you make that choice is because you are being paid for every pe- every person that you put through correctly and you're deducted 
for every person you put, you put through incorrectly. Which also has almost no real effect on tangibly what you do. Yeah. Well, right? Like, like your money affects your family, but your family is represented by just a, a status screen. Yeah, it's literally... Like, are they cold, sick, hungry? It, it goes to a black screen, and there's, like, a circle, and it says, it says, wife, son, you know, uh, I, for, I forget all... There's, like, only a few. Yeah, like and they just, have, they just have a status that says, you know, okay, um, tired, hungry... Uh, sick that kind of thing and you it's a list the the only thing else on the on the screen is a list of charges right this is what it costs to uh this is what it costs to live here this is a salary you made this is your cost for food for heat for medicine and you don't make very much you make almost nothing and so the idea of like do i put me and my family in a little more danger by letting this woman through and keeping that family together or do i just heartlessly turn her away at the border and split them up for the sake of my own family, which in this game have very little meaning to you. And in fact, if they die, is a financial boon to you because you no longer have to pay for them. I, I wonder if the uh, person listening to us who's really mad at us for our anti Skyrim is like, they like the package delivering game and the <laughs> paper check in game? And they're like, Skyrim's boring. Those fucking idiots. <laughs> Add us at Boss Door 4. <laughs> yeah, let, let me know how much you don't give a fuck about what I'm saying. But Papers, Please is one of my favorite games of all time. But beyond that, it's not a hard game to create. It is a singular vision from um, the creator, Lucas Pope. But it's like... Yeah, Curse of the Oprah Din, I think, yeah. is his most popular game. It is now, yeah. But um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, Just something you might have heard of, audience. Yeah, Curse of the Oprah Din. Skyrim guy oh. who's at mad at us. That game's great. I wish I could play it more, but it is a puzzle game, and they... It's hard to read. Yeah, that's how puzzle games work, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have to, like, wait enough years that you forget everything. That's the Shadow of the Colossus problem. Yeah. You'll never have that one experience, like your first Shadow of the Colossus experience. Yeah. Staring off in the distance. (laughs) But my question is, like... Love that game. Why are those games... Why are these kinds of games, like, smaller, more focused uh, projects, so exclusive to the indie sphere? Why... Why do we have to have an endless amount of Assassin's Creed's and... Um, Far Cry's and you know the next iteration of World of Warcraft and shit. Like why, why do we have to have Overwatch two when they could when they could be putting their efforts towards something valuable, something like truly meaningful in games? Really, like it doesn't it doesn't even cost anything to fucking do it. Lucas Pope made it by himself. You yeah. know that's the point. Is like why do the indie scene have to be so separate from the AAA scene? And the reason, the truest reason, what we've been talking about this whole time is money because the indie scene for all of its flaws is driven by a goal to create art not yeah. not every Be- people who have visions yeah not every indies indie company is doing that right like some of them just want to make it big yeah but an idealistic it... person who hasn't gotten thought in yet <laughs> <laughs> well even even these companies to make it big they have to they they feel they have to make some sort of artistic impact like for all of no man's sky's problems they wanted to make something new and interesting in the the world no man's sky was a game a standalone game for all of its flaws it was something new you know that just can't be said of like any triple a product anymore and it 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 drives me crazy you know just conceptually funny to to just be like yeah papers please is a game where you uh check people's papers at the borders and you turn them away if that's incorrect or you let them through if it's correct end of story <laughs> yeah but just imagine like a triple a company taking control of that where it's like oh my god okay so um we have a dlc pack 
that has four different types of fonts. <laughs> right? And then you're like, okay, I'm a, yeah, this is a snacking. I'm a, I'm a, it sounds like a real Twitch name. I tried to make something up. Oh, I thought you were going I think to it's a real Twitch person. It's gotta be, right? Uh, yeah, I'm snacking. I'm snacking. sorry if I'm slandering you, snacking. <laughs> if you're real, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm gonna be playing a, a Paper Please speedrun. I'm doing uh, the hardest challenge, Wingding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, the symbols are this really unusable font from Microsoft Word. You might not know what that is. Um, but yeah, let's get to let's get to it. You know. <laughs> Another, t- another task assisted paper please player. <laughs> I don't know if they're oh, optimizing his moves. I know there's papers please speed runs, but the thing is, that game uh, is not randomized. Every person, oh, sure. every person you see is the same person every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just it's a long. It's not long, but it's yeah. You, you gotta can, memorize. You that can really spend means. ten hours in that game. You know. Yeah. Um. Uh, so you're not like if you've played it before, you don't remember everybody that shows up. Like, you, you, there's no way you're like, oh, I remember, I remember the series. Like, call. This, I remember like <laughs> go go turn around go 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 turn around turn around. You know, like you don't remember orders of people like that because you'll deal with. You probably get through like fifteen or sixteen people a day. You know. Yeah. For for like a whole month, I think it's. Yeah, it's like a whole month. It's it's a while. Imagine if Guitar Hero had the update, the release update later, and they would just like change the notes on it, <laughs> like how pissed off people would be. Because like I remember very specifically, I used to like go to an arcade and play uh, Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, and I could draw a crowd not because I was good, but because I would step early and then I would jump up because I realized I stepped early and try to land back down on the right time. So I just looked like a like a like a, a jackrabbit on heroin, I guess you know. <laughs> And so people were like, and I was doing it barefoot. So people were like, what the fuck? Like, he's like, I'm doing like an intermediate song and I look like I'm doing like the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> and I'm like, C plus. And so that I had like a tiny crowd in an arcade and this guy came up and he was like all swag and stuff. And he go, and I was like, ooh, he's like, you can pick the song. So I was like, here's the hardest song for me on intermediate. And he's like, I'm going to put mine up to the hardest. And then he did the whole thing, not facing the screen. <laughs> He was just like, I'm going to blow this kid out. I'm just spazzing out. <laughs> and this kid's whole career. Uh, and, like, I forgot that there was, like, uh, it's probably an offensive term, but there was, like, pole huggers. It was probably oh a worse God. word. But it's when you when you grab the pole behind you at yeah. the arcade to, like, steady yourself. And so he's just doing that the whole time, and his legs are just flopping up like a puppet. Like, a, you know, <laughs> like it's a, a nutcrack marionette shit, you know? And it was just, like, one of my fondest video game memories. <laughs> Just to like like literally getting a C plus and or whatever whatever the grading scale yeah. is and like that, that, that you know that's an interesting um, genre in in this discussion of like um, the 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 DDRs and the various rhythm games and stuff that just like repurpose um, music that already exists right and turn it into an interactive product yeah right like that's valuable that's not a thing that's that's saying anything but it's something that like people can legitimately have fun with you know your Beat Sabers and whatnot. Yeah, um, and and on top of that, like beat- you need the money to buy those songs, though. Yeah, well, like yeah, you do, right? You got you got to buy the songs, but like even in Beat Saber, um, there's tons of mods and stuff like that, right? Like people put their own music into Beat Saber. Beat Saber has made people get into music and start making music so that they can put them into Beat Saber tracks. You know, that's valuable. People find value in these things and learn to express themselves creatively through them, yeah. and that's the point of art. 
it is not simply uh, it's not that art has to like say a thing it's not you have to get the right message from art it's that you have to feel inspired in some way by that art yeah, it's, 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 to me, it's about human connection. Yeah. It's a level that you could connect to an artist. Like, that's why I'm so obsessed with Souls, uh, Souls Miyazaki and, uh, Kojima games. Because you see their life. You see things that they think in a certain sort of way. You feel some of their experiences without meeting them. Right? Like, I learned recently that Miyazaki did not play a game until he was 29 and grew up poor. And that greatly contextualizes yeah. the way you look at Souls. Because it's a game of pure nihilism, of player disempowerment. There's a reason all these game developers aren't doing that, because they did not have that experience growing up, most likely. Yeah. And because, uh, you know, there's there's sort of rules when you when you play games. It's like, it's like okay, don't disempower your player. Yeah. You know, nobody, people play, like, it's this idea of like, oh, people play games for power fantasies and stuff. And that's kind of true. But like, I mentioned Unsighted earlier, right? Unsighted, again, it's it's a it's a top-down, kind of a Souls-like Metroidvania, right? Uh, very interesting game. What's really interesting about that game, beyond all, its, all of its mechanics and its, you know, its, um, its speedrunning and all that, is the fact that every single character in that game is LGBTQ. And I don't mean just, like, they're canonically, you know, uh, gay or bi or something. I mean, like, almost everyone you talk to is trans, like, visibly, you know? Yeah. They're, they're mostly robots, and you'll see robots with like, with, like, different parts from different genders just kind of put together. And it's not commented on. It's expected that everyone, everyone in that game is LGBTQ. And that game, be, like, it's a game designed to play how you want and you you know you get your you get your weapons and you level up and everything um it is a it is a power fantasy for that community right to feel powerful but at the same time in unsighted everyone in that game is on a timer the longer you take the less time they have right the, there's always a clock ticking down and people will start to leave your game when they run out of time you will start to lose npcs important yeah. people Right, you could run out of people in your world if you take too long to do it, and it's this this sad commentary on like the the state of the world that that LGBTQ people feel now. You know that like literally the world is closing in around them. You know, like like as as visible as they are, more and more people seem to be disappearing. You know, yeah. the world wants you gone. I, I that's don't take that out of context. You know? yeah, yeah. That's the way people feel about that. But at the same time, they've put those feelings into a power fantasy where you do have control. There are things you can do. You can write the world. And Unsighted, aside from being just a really fun game to play, <laughs> yeah. is also a game that makes you think about the people around you. It makes you think about the state of the world and the the way that the the game creators, the people who wanted this game to exist what they wanted you to understand about their lives about the things that were important to them unsighted is a phenomenal game and it's nothing that we've seen in the triple a industry we cannot see it in the triple a industry and, and you know what skyrim makes me think about uh googling how many caves there are in the world i don't want to <laughs> i want to know that answer because you know it's in the hundreds yeah who has more caves skyrim or the planet <laughs> like, you know yeah, so we definitely got a little rambly at the end. But uh, I think a lot of this is kind of about 
not not just what we we're talking. You know, it started off talking about this. You know, update now and release later. I don't know why it's so hard for me to remember. <laughs> started off talking about that, but you know, some of it is kind of like a a, a commentary that we both feel about trying to look at games as art, right? And this this relates to that. Art is supposed to make you feel something. And, you know, sometimes it's good to talk about what those things make you feel. The way games make you think. The games that actually have tangible impact, you know? Uh, You know, there's many times I've heard people say, this video game changed my life. Albeit, it was a 12-year-old about Sonic Adventure 2. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, there's certain things that do actually have these impact. And I just think that's something that people kind of forget about and lose sight of when they say, well, I played Skyrim for 200 hours and I had fun doing it, mm-hmm. you know? But what was memorable? What lasted? What imp- what impacted you? And not every game has to do this. It's not the point of every game. You know, sometimes it's fun to play a buggy mess with your friends. Sometimes it's fun to go see Venom with your friends. But this is a path that leads to those experiences not being as common. If if AAA has his way and pushes out indie games, you know, the most you're ever going to feel is crashing a car into a helicopter in Grand Theft Auto 29. Yeah. And I think I think it's important to state, I don't think AAA is pushing out the, in, the indie scene. I think it's the exact opposite. But they're trying to. <laughs> they're just well, failing. sure, they don't want the indie scene to succeed because they're direct competitors, right? Yeah. But at the same time, again, Devolver Digital was just valued at a billion dollars mm-hmm. and they are dedicated to creating to to publishing quality indie games you know and if they stick For with now, that <laughs> until <laughs> until well, the dark hands of capitalism wrap well, around Devolver their neck. is just a publisher yeah mm-hmm. right like that's the thing they don't make games devolver's not yeah, yeah, putting yeah. out games so as long as you know it's not really devolver's choice as long as like fine brothers and and all of them continue putting out yeah. interesting interesting artistic evocative pieces devolver will continue creating uh publishing those right so i do think the indie scene is pushing out the triple a industry triple a is like okay yes though you know we'll get these huge consoles and stuff like that it's never going to go away but they're like okay well we need to start putting fucking nfts in our game we need to increase the cost of our games to 70 dollars because our our greed cannot be sated and at some point that is not going to fly anymore yeah, people will simply stop buying their shit, and those companies will start dropping off. You know, yeah, and and, and maybe Cyberpunk was kind of a turning of the tides because they actually had a refund the, the pre-order, yeah. which no one has ever had to do before. Yeah, Cyberpunk, and so you know that's the hypothetical limit, probably. Yeah, Cyberpunk made Sony another AAA industry, another AAA company take action. You know, yeah. Sony does not refund shit. They don't care what you, if you like the game or if the game function. But Cyberpunk was so bad, the industry itself had to make a little statement. Yeah. And that's not nothing. So it's not, it's not all doom and gloom. I just think it's doom and gloom on the AAA side, you know? But indie games for all their, for all their flaws are doing interesting things. And there are some AAA companies that are valuable. Kojima Productions, from software, for whatever flaws uh, they they have, they're still putting uh, Nintendo, right? They're yeah. still putting out quality finished products over and over again. So when I talk about this idea of like release now, update later, the reason I think it's so important is because that mentality says we don't care about the product we're putting out as long as eventually it gets anywhere that's considered valuable. 
you know, it's considered finished or you know, people stop caring, then it's good. As long as you buy it, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And that's what that mentality epitomizes. And it right? encourages people to not be critical of stuff. Yeah. Right? It's like, well, you know, it will get good. It will get good, right? Like, there's yeah. plenty of people that are like, actually, once Cyberpunk became playable, it was actually a fun game. And I'm like, I'll never know. Yeah. You know, like, one day, probably, I'll play that game. And honestly, it seems average at best. You know? Yeah. Like, like It never looked fun to me. Uh, like, it just, from its premise, they're just like, uh, GTA, but steampunky yeah. in, in, in Miami Vice I've heard it, and I've you're heard, like, that sounds like GTA. Yeah, well, I've heard it's more of like a, a more of a linear um, yeah, sure. game anyway, right? Like, less GTA and more just kind of a little bit open world. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I, I honestly don't know, right? That's not the point. The point is, like, uh, the game was so fucking unplayable, even though I didn't really care that much at release, I couldn't even play it. And at this point, I certainly don't care if I ever do. I probably will one day, but I yeah. really don't care if I don't. Are people ever going to be doing retrospectives about fucking yeah, Cyberpunk? Because the most interesting thing you can say about Cyberpunk is is about its release. Yeah. Right? Because after like a month of people shitting on it, people just stop talking about it. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck about Cyberpunk It's the worst anymore. thing that can happen. Yeah. It's just, it's just forgotten. And like one day, you know, they're going to release their DLC or something and maybe it'll it'll revive interest in the game or something. But the point is like that game had no heart. It had it I'm sure a lot of people put their hearts into it, tried to make something valuable, but because it wasn't released by a company that cared about their product, the product that we got had its heart ripped out. Yeah, I'm going to go Google real quick uh Cyberpunk employees' heart exploded from crunch time. See if that reels any results. Yeah, let's find out how many people died in making Cyberpunk. Ooh, that's dark. Anyway. Hey, remember when you said, like, eventually it's going to get good? No. No, so earlier, you didn't say that about the game, but you said that was kind of, you know, that's, okay, eventually we'll get good. We can forgive its things and sure. update later. Seamless transition into, <laughs> into uh, next month. We're talking about Dark Souls. Get good. I don't. I don't know if you want to keep that so, one. <laughs> so what Joey is uh, failing to say, uh, we've decided. You just kept talking. Like I had it. I was ready. You said get good, and I'm like, I'm gonna jam it. And then like three and a half minutes passed, and I was like, it's it's time to jam. Get in there and jam. That's the space jam. Yeah, space jam. Right. That's how it goes. I think I have a copy of Shaq Fu. You want to do that? Fuck yeah, I want to do Shaq Fu. Yeah, for just, the cast or just for funsies? I don't know. It do, there's definitely no playing Shaq Fu for funsies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nothing to do with Space Jam. They're just both basketball players. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, he's not even in space. Yeah, like <laughs> fuck, fuck off, me. Didn't question it for a second either. Oh. <laughs> I do but, own track for this. <laughs> um, so that's the end of our discussion on uh, the state of the industry. Kind of our our brains where they're at. Boy, this is I didn't say that well. So <laughs> the place our brains are at, as far as what games are, what they should be, what we what we want to see from them. We don't want to limit what games can be. I never want to. I never want to do that. I don't want to say that like you can't do online only games or anything i don't think necessarily that like fortnite is bad i think its business model is bad but mm-hmm. fortnite itself is a valuable entry into the gaming into the gamosphere but also into like the genre of battle royale and stuff it changed the way we understand 
what games can be and how they how people can interact. Fortnite's valuable. I don't want to limit what games can be. I want to limit what I want people that make games to care about their games. Well, what I would say is I don't think it's as anything to do with limiting for me personally. It's the model that looks at games like products and not works of art will become homogenized. Yeah. We've seen it in movies. That's why I keep saying it. And we're seeing it yeah. in games. Now, movies don't have the indie scene that games do. Good job, Steam. Probably. You know? Yeah. You know? Steam has a lot of problems. But at the same but, time... But yeah, I, I don't think the indie game market will be thriving without it. No, like Steam, Steam has been the single biggest driving... Um, yeah, factor of the of the indie market in general. Yeah, super super important. But I don't want to, you know, say oh, what new games are out, and it's I just can't find the sort of thing I'm looking for, yeah. right? And you know, there's a lot of types of genres of games, but you know, I I get that it's an older genre, but you know, it's harder and harder to find good turn based RPGs. It's harder and harder to find Metroidvanias in the non indie sphere. You know, it's the you know. These genres are shrinking as the most popular genres are oversaturating the market. You know, yeah. you know, there's there's going to be a hundred battle royales. That's not necessarily bad, but I would also like a hundred turn based RPGs and a hundred yeah. you know Metroidvanias and all and all those sorts of things. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, we we do we do get or hundred new genre. <laughs> uh, for for these genres that are sort of disappearing, we do get the occasional gem that comes out. You know, we've got the. Uh, the Octopath Travelers and whatnot that that do show up and do try to make a splash no. in the scene. Even though Octopath Traveler isn't like the best game, yeah, boy, it's like they they showed a demo for their next game, which they've just called Triangle Strategy so far. Yeah, what if Octopath Traveler is Fire Emblem? So that's for me. Yeah, exactly. For me, Joey, <laughs> the person who wants that the most. Exactly. But that game, I played Triangle Strategy. That game fucks. Yeah, that game fucks hard, and I'm so excited for yeah, them to continue. And, and you know, to just kind of lightly insert my biases here, yeah, that's why I like fucking Japanese companies. They're more willing to do this weird shit. We get more Monster Hunters and Dark Souls and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas these Western companies that I would argue are more tied up in the cold hard grip of capitalism, yeah, uh, we get more games that seem the exact same. Yeah. So essentially, you know, we're we're we are looking towards the indie scene to to sort of revive games, but that does seem to be what's going on. Like AAA seems to be on its way out in a, in a lot of ways. That's preposterous. And, well, it, it, it'll never it'll never disappear, but like a lot of these companies are not going to exist in you know ten twenty years, right? Like maybe. <laughs> I don't really think Ubisoft is going to survive in honestly the next twenty years. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. We'll like, see. <laughs> yeah. I I I'm I'm pessimistic about people with a lot of money. Losing that money, yeah, based on generational. But again, Ubisoft is one of the smallest AAA's, you know. So like, maybe one day it just won't exist because they don't really put out good products, and nobody really gives a shit about Assassin's Creed and Far Cry's anymore. They're putting their new they NFTs. Do well. <laughs> they're putting their new NFTs into their uh, what is it? Uh, Tom Clancy. Is it Tom Clancy? Yeah, Tom Clancy Breakpoint, like a game that everyone already hates. So they're just testing their shit on a game that people already hate, just in case they hate it more. Yeah. Like, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're desperate to make money. Right? They just wish they could make FIFA. Uh, so I th I think the industry... Far Cry 6 sales typing noises. I don't want to talk about Far Cry 6. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't think it... I, I think it did fine, but 
I've heard nobody talk about Far Cry Six. Yeah. Um, but uh, my my point is like I think I think despite all the doom and gloom we've, we've said, the future of the industry is not as bleak as it could be. I do think there's I have concerns about you know digitalization all that, but I've already voiced those. So yeah, I I certainly think it's not as bleak as movies are, as I keep alluding yeah, to. Fuck man. <laughs> But yeah, like somehow the only thing more homogenized than games is fucking movies. But um, that's that's going to end our discussion on this particular topic. What we want to do moving forward. I had that seamless transition to Dark Souls, and he just kind of just kind of I just kind of kept talking. I know. Yeah. So what Joey failed to say earlier was succeeded that, perfectly. Was that for the next uh, many moons? We will be doing every Dark Souls game, every every uh, Soulsborne. Yeah, we'll see all, how it goes. <laughs> all the Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and theoretically Sekiro, if either of us can beat the game. Um, you've, beat, you've beaten it before. I don't know. I've beaten it, but like not in the way that I beat Dark Souls games. To be fair, I I, I trained a lot and I got good, and yeah. I feel pretty strong at Souls yeah. games. Yeah, you you've been you've been studying the blade. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but like Sekiro, there's there's multiple bosses I never fought because I was like, that's too hard. I'm I'm better at pairing than Ross. I said it. It's very true. Uh, so hopefully that works out. But yeah, for the next many moons, we're gonna be covering Dark yeah. Souls and maybe Final Fantasy X because I believe. Yeah, I wanted uh, that for our year anniversary. Yeah, I believe I believe on our anniversary, I uh, the anniversary of the podcast, I am uh, cursed to play a Final Fantasy game for the rest of time. So, yeah. Look forward to... What, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> look forward to uh, what we're calling the Souls block. Yeah, what, 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 and I would say about Dark Souls, and you know, I might reiterate some of this on the cast, is, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the influence of her name, Bostor, right? Oh, like, yeah. like, Souls didn't make me fall in love with gaming, but man, Souls helped me come back to gaming, you yeah, know? that's fair. And I kind of left disillusioned, like, right when the PS3 and stuff came out. I was kind of not liking where games were going. And I'm, I'm I'm pretty bummed I wasn't there for the beginning of Dark Souls, and you know, uh, I I I really think it did the job, it did the industry a lot of good, and there's really really a lot to unpack with Souls. Yeah, it's 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 to me the most genre defining game uh, of the last 15 years. Yeah, and a lot of people will say like, oh, Souls like isn't a genre, but it is. Yeah, like what are you talking? Like, about? Of course it is. Yeah, like yeah, sure it doesn't have like uh, there's not like the you can't point to everything. There's not like a checklist that says, oh, this is a, a Souls-like. One thing I think is really illuminating in an interview, they were talking to Miyazaki, creator of Souls. What do you think about all these people like copying the Dark Souls model? And he's like, yeah, we're all influenced by Zelda, I guess. So it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's exactly how, like, he wasn't doing it on purpose, but like, yeah, that's how fucking influential Dark Souls is, is you can be like, yeah, it's like the Zelda of, you know, post-2010. Yeah, exactly. That's preposterous to think about in a lot of ways. Exactly. Like, what other games have made genres? Yeah, off-air we're talking about Gears of War and cover-based shooters, and it's like, that should be like a day-one concept we come up with as shooters. <laughs> you know, it's totally different than the Souls model. That is just non-intuitive. Yeah. So, we're really excited. Um, we've been playing every Souls game, and oh boy, those are going to be good casts. So if Yeah, you, broke my brain. Yeah. So, if you've gotten this far, um, and you enjoyed what we said... It's going to be a good five or six months. So, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, um, add us at BossFor4. If um, you didn't like what you heard, add us at BossFor4. Yeah, I don't give a fuck if you liked it or not. Just in, just engage. Yeah, just engage. Uh, I also I do want to say, if you do listen to our podcast, thank you. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, we get literally no interaction, um, so I don't know who listens to us. I know a lot of people download it, but uh, if you even if you don't interact with us, like, just thank you for listening. It means a lot. We do this We do this because we love it, not because yeah. uh, we, we don't need engagement. We're not asking for your money. We're just asking for uh, some of your time, and I hope we made you think about stuff. So um, do at me, though. Yeah. At, at Boss Door 4. I can't stress it enough. Engage. Yeah, just... Uh, I, get also, yourself banned, man. Like, yeah, just do <laughs> it. Come at him. Be my, be my first band. I'm riding in the front seat of a train car, hurtling towards the heavens, and I'm gonna catch you along. And then, yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna email us, it's uh, bossdoorpodcast at gmail.com. And we do have a YouTube channel, uh, Bossdoor on YouTube. It will be linked in the description of this podcast wherever you're saying the podcast i do try to play games and put uh, gameplay footage up on there i've not been super successful time is uh, a problem outro when you gotta fight gods but none of them live up to It's better than you are.